Reset that, reset that, reset that. What are you getting? Well, I'm getting a bounce, mm -hmm. um, but there's a lightness within it as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, just, honey, it's a very yeah. tricky color, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Terry and I worship an unconventional deity, the power of another dimension. Now, you're not going to read about this dimension in a book or in a magazine or uh, in a newspaper uh, because it doesn't exist anywhere except in my own mind. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Boy, it's been a while. I won't just survive. Get you in the mood. Can write my story. I'm beyond the archetype. It's the official soundtrack to the Olympics. Just conform. This it? Rise. No by Katy Perry. Oh. Alright. Her roots run deep. Unless the other guy's faster. I think she's talking about the Olympic flame. I didn't know they burned people at the with the Olympic flame. Oh, sure they do. Yep. Yep. That's. I wonder how they keep it going. People. Yep. This is no mistake, no accident. that Michael Phelps is actually a robot. Really? A machine. Wow. I must stay conscious. She must stay conscious, yeah. So this is actually the uh the the things they have to tell themselves to keep going. So, don't fall asleep? Well, I think that would be, like, obvious. This is the David Allen Show. This the second into the second week of the Olympics, 2016, the Summer Games. <laughs> I only do this because you love it so much. <laughs> this is right up your alley, David. It, uh, it's what I do for you. It's an, uh, I've never heard that song before. August 14th. So it's funny. It's August 14th. 
This is episode number 27. What? 27. Wow. The microphone's off. How'd that happen? I don't know. Time, time keeps on slipping, slipping. Slipping into the future. Hey, that's Steve Miller Band, right? Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Is it? I think so, isn't it? Uh, you're much, much, much older than me. <laughs> True. True. <clears throat> hey, I wanted to... Uh, no. It's not? No, I don't know. What? <laughs> no, you can't. No, you shan't. No, what? Are you kidding me? What? That... Mm. Sorry, I'm okay. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to... Uh, <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> I wanted to uh, to play um, a video about... Hillary, there's been some concern um, regarding Hillary, and um, I saw this video of her, and so I thought maybe we could play it, and it's really short, um, and then we could discuss it. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm always game. Let's see. I've fallen, and I can't get up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? What? Oh, what? Yes. <laughs> Here, let's do that one more time. I've fallen. And I can't get up. <laughs> uh, oh, somebody okay. get a doctor. Um, yeah, have you clarity, have you, perhaps? <laughs> have you been um, following what's going on with her? Um, I saw some vid, some still pictures of her um, being helped down a hallway. Yep, like because she couldn't hardly walk. Uh, there's one. Stand up. There's one with two guys helping her walk up some stairs. Um, there's one with two guys holding her up as she's talking to a crowd. And then there's, there's this video of her talking at, uh, at a rally and, uh, about health care. We need to make what we've got work really well and improve it and get the costs out of a upward spiral of. A t- upward spiral. Toss out of an upward spiral. What? Yeah, it's interesting. She's talking, and then all of a sudden, she just kind of goes bye bye for about two seconds. Healthcare. We need to make what we've got work really well and improve it and get the costs out of. And get the costs out of. And then she looks around. <laughs> Was she waiting for the applause to die down? I don't know. Um, her brain shut off. Yeah, it's like it's like it skipped a beat. A t- upward spiral. Of- this, uh, upward spiral. This. Hmm. And there's another one. <laughs> that's, that's where she's... <laughs> so she... That's the one where she's practicing to be a dog. <laughs> and doing her sound effects. Is, sound effect work is great. <laughs> Uh, play the the brain freeze one. <clears throat> Sorry. To send Catherine Cortez Masto to the United States Senate. This is August. Okay, so what just happened? Hold on. Let's start that over. So she's on stage alone, gesturing with her hand, and then she stops. 
and looks down at someone. And then all of a sudden, there's a large black man in a suit at her side talking in her ear, telling her things. Let's go back and listen to the voice other than hers. Patting her on the back. Keep talking. You handle it. We're not going anywhere. Okay. Here we are. Keep talking. You handle it. We're not going anywhere. So uh, on the other side of her, there are two... Definite secret service. Clearly secret service guys. Right. This other guy that just told her to keep talking... Not the typical shape you would look at (laughs) for secret service. Well, round's a shape. I don't want to be mean... (laughs) But, I mean, typically you got someone around you, but he's right beside her, all of a sudden patting her on the back. Touching her. her. Yeah, touching her. Touching her. her. Yeah, touching her, which is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's another guy, and this big black guy is now directing everyone. Okay. Just told her to keep talking. We'll keep talking, and we'll, and apparently these people are here to protest Trump because Trump and his kids have killed a lot of animals. So, thank you for making that point. What's that got to do with anything? Okay, now let me let me uh, let me keep going because Please I want to say another word about Catherine. She will be the first Latina ever elected to the United States Senate. Okay, so she continues on. So the the interesting thing about this is that supposedly there were some uh, people protesting Trump off to her right. And when at, her, wa- at her rally? At her rally, protesting t- Trump at her rally, supposedly. Okay. <clears throat> and one thing that they said is that they kind of startled her. Well, that's a reoccurring thing. Remember mm-hmm. a video a few weeks ago we looked at where people were saying she had a seizure and yeah. she just turned and yeah, she Yeah, kind of freaked out. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of freaked out. <clears throat> you know, what's freaking her out, for one thing, so much? People. Um, maybe fast <laughs> yeah. movement. Who knows? Um, but off to the side, you have her. Uh, um, all of a sudden, she stops. And the interesting thing is, to me, this is the interesting thing. There's obviously no threat going on out there. Mm-hmm. Nobody's rushing the stage. Nothing's going on. This is a normal rally with people screaming and yelling and whatnot. And the minute she pauses, bam. That guy comes up on stage up next to her. She pauses and he's there. I'd love Took to him see about a wide two shot. Seconds. I'd love to, yeah, he was right beside her. And then on her, hanging on to her back. And then telling her to keep talking, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. Yeah, I'd love to see a wide shot of that. There's um they have a photo going around. The same man at one of the rallies is walking. It's a picture of him. Mm-hmm. walking to the side of Bill and Hillary at the DNC convention. And you see this black man, and he's obviously very large, mm-hmm. um, meaning he doesn't jog. He nope. looks probably 50, maybe. I would think. Kind of has a James Earl Jones look to yeah, him. Yeah, uh, bald head. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he has a little <sighs> badge on his lapel. <laughs> <laughs> this is CNN. Luke. <laughs> Look, I'm your father. Don't know what happened. Um but on his lapel he a has pin. a pin. Now I did say though on I saw I noticed on the other guys that jumped up on stage with him, they had a similar something on their chest also. 
They had, uh, they, they had the a, pin. a pin or something on their lapel. And it's in a similar spot. Does it look the same? Well, let's go look. Let's go back and replay this just for fun. Let's see. Arm, no. She's now stump pointing her hand. All of a sudden, she pauses, looks down at something, and then he's there. Um, he's actually this video. He looks younger than fifty, and they have. Uh oh, that's interesting. There's two guys to her right, our left, as we look at her on stage. The front Secret Service guy has a pin. The back guy does not appear to have one. Oh, never no, mind. Yeah, he, does. he does. No, he does. Same thing. Yep. They all have yep. pins. So that that yeah. maybe that's the differentiator. What I find a little intriguing, I don't know. He well, is he okay? It also looks like he's packing heat. Let me see. As he talks to guy a guy on the right again. And sorry for all you uh, uh, listeners to this. You, know, you can't see this, but um, if you search on the interweb for Hillary's bizarre behavior, uh, you can find this out there. <clears throat> theater of the mind <laughs> uh, maybe so it almost looks like he's got a weapon but it's not back tucked in under his shoulder or under his armpit no it's kind of out front and and that could regardless, be due to the fact that he can't reach all the way under his arm regardless when it comes to this dude though mm-hmm. he goes to all the rallies he's with her like right next to her yeah right next okay. to her and um <clears throat> i've heard the narrative that at, like, for instance, at the DNC, he had this badge on. Um, you couldn't you couldn't zoom in on the badge. Um, but one comment uh, commenter commenter said that that is not typical. What <clears throat> for a Secret Service oh, to wear a badge, person like, like a, a, a badge ID like that? Badge? Yeah, like uh, press bag. Yeah. you know, press badge and <laughs> press stuff bag. like. Okay. <laughs> Um, but regardless, um, the interesting thing is that there's almost, uh, unanimity in looking at this pen that this guy is carrying right next to her and everybody who looks at it, you, when you compare it to a diazepam pen, which is used for, uh, for people with seizures. Okay. It, uh, if you're having a seizure... You uh, you give it, and it'll help uh, mitigate um, a full seizure. Um, when you look at this, at least when I see this, I think, why in the world is somebody carrying a diazepam pen in their hand at the DNC convention? Like you're ready mm-hmm. to jabber with it. That is interesting if you go look at the, uh, a, some enhancement that's done on that picture. Now, <coughs> I also uh, make a living manipulating images. Mm-hmm. And know that this type of an image could be created quite possibly rather easily. Um, the interesting thing, though... I mean, it all. It also, if you look at it, it also could be like a, a magic marker, black marker. 
Did you see the enhancement picture? Yeah. Where it's like it's brightened up a lot and then they show the actual pen. So I, I totally understand. It, the coincidence is rather uh, stark. I guess the difference is um, the, the, uh, the, the clip at the end, if you look at the hand um, on this, um, it's uh, thegatewaypundit.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hillary Handler carries diazepam pen for seizures. You can see at the end of a diazepam pen, there is a clip that you can see in the guy's hand. Okay. Yeah, I can see how that could be there. Um, <clears throat> Either th- way, she's done some pretty strange like mental things. But here's the thing. that That's not the end of it. That's not the end of it. Go and play that one YouTube video from Hannity. Hang on a second. And I think this one has one of those, uh, the one underneath that. Hillary Clinton recently posted to the website, The American Mirror is sparking new controversy for the Clinton campaign. Now, the picture, which shows Hillary Clinton apparently needing assistance to climb a flight of stairs at a campaign stop back in February, was picked up by the Drudge Report, which posted this headline over the weekend, uh, detailing Hillary Clinton's history with falls and speculating that the former Secretary of State could be experiencing a serious undisclosed medical condition. Yeah, you, you know what it is? The Clinton she almost died in a plane crash in, told us that the Libya, or in Iran, Libya, And I anyone believe. who buys hmm. into that vitriol, including yours truly, is shameful as well. So shameful we are. Anyway, but what was noticeably missing from the statement was any reference or rebuttal to the health issues that are alleged by Drudge and others. Joining us now with analysis from the Fox News medical aid team, we oh, have this Fox guy News has a white coat on. Dr. Mark he Siegel must be a doctor. Dr. David Simone no stethoscope, though. Well, it's in the Daily His Mail. Name his health problems. His name is on the white coat, Paul. though. <laughs> New book is coming out that claims that the Gateway pundit had today Hillary's handler carrying a diazepam pen for patients who experience recurrent seizures. When you look at her history, um, Dr. Siegel, of falling, concussions, the blood clots. Etc. And then this other video that has emerged. What are your thoughts? I think the public has a right to know. Number one, we're talking in 2008, Sean. I looked over a thousand pages of John McCain's records because of a melanoma he had had ten years before. What about Hillary? 2009, a severe fall. She breaks an elbow. 2011, she boards a plane, falls. 2012, she has a severe concussion, which Bill Clinton says it took her six months to recover from. But they all claim that she slipped and fell for that to happen. That's when she was supposed to be uh, testifying in front of Congress about Benghazi. Mm -hmm. And so when she did finally do, she had weird glasses on that um, experts say. I don't know the experts, so I'm assuming that there were actual experts. Because there were weird lines in it, they were specifically designed to get rid of double vision, which is a symptom of having a concussion. Yep. Now, what is not talked about here, as far as I know, and maybe they go into it later... She was in a rather bad plane crash in the Middle East prior, and this is all around the time when that Iran deal was going down, Hmm. and uh, prior to Benghazi, the private jet she was on crashed, and this has only really come out, uh, I think RT did some work on it, which, okay, Russians, but they tend to be pulling out some stuff that typically turns out to be true. Um, and uh, reportedly she almost died 
and Obama from, was from what from the plane crash. I mean, like, um, did she need surgery? I don't know. I think. It, well, I don't know. I, I that information I haven't heard. I mean, it, it's one thing if you almost die because of blunt force trauma. Yeah, but I mean, you walked away unscathed, relatively unscathed. I, I don't. Thing. And the 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 anonymous reporting from that, you know, in that coming out, I don't is, think she could have could have gone through that, got seriously injured, and just kind of. But that's why it took her six months before she even came in. It was months. Before but, she even came out in this, public. But what this guy said, um, this doctor said right before this, right before you stop, stopped it, that she fell, hit her head, mm-hmm. had a concussion, mm-hmm. and as a result of that concussion, he'll go into it further, she's she's going to be on a uh, blood thinner for the rest of her life. And he's going to be talking about some of the symptoms of what happens when you have a concussion as we go on with this. Right, but I think what's interesting is they are going off of the the initial narrative that she fell and knocked her head. Oh, okay. When the reality of the game is it was much more <clears throat> sinister than that. I see what you're saying. There, sure. there was, there, there is, um, oh, a, apparently you know, Obama. Maybe um, during the the plane crash she hit her head. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so sure. I mean, the end result mm-hmm. might be there, but we're yep. totally covering up the idea that she was in a bad plane crash mm-hmm. and that reportedly Obama was preparing to announce her death. Oh, wow. This is 2012. And then she survives whatever. Then she ends up with a blood clot on the brain. She's on lifetime blood thinners. Just the point alone, if she's prone to falling, and you see from, the, from the, our picture up there that it looks like she can barely get upstairs without two people carrying her. Guess what? If she falls and hits her head, she'll get a blood clot what on her brain. What did you think? I, just out of fairness, I don't want to show the video, but I've no, but asked I'm both of you to look at the video <laughs> where she brother. seems to like... That's so stupid. Some have said it's like a mini seizure. What does it look like to you? It looks to me, I'm also concerned about this concussion she had in, t- in 2012. It could be a post-concussion syndrome. You know, your balance is off, you, you, you're dizzy all the time, your memory is off, you're not thinking clearly. Maybe that's what she meant this week when she talked about that glitch she had with Chris Wallace. Glitch. Maybe she just can't. <laughs> just... She says she's so she's a robot. Right. Well, also, it's not just that. She doesn't give a lot of press conferences. She doesn't want to seem to put herself in high-pressure no. situations. I want to know what her neurologist says. I've reached out to her neurologist at Columbia after yeah. she had that fall, no comment. I want to know what her neurological record shows. And we, you think, as show you she was in a plane crash. John McCain <laughs> and other presidential candidates, obviously John McCain is older, you think it's fair game, especially if people see that something seem a little off. Not just fair game, just the point alone that she's on blood thinners and seems to be prone to fall. Why would you I need blood thinners? When she's in the is there house? a possibility she had a mini stroke, a TIA? Absolutely. What do you think, Doc? You believe that? Well, part? you know, the picture that you showed as she's going up the stairs uh, speaks a million words. So is she really fatigued? Is she uh, dehydrated? One of the main reasons why she fell in 2012 and had the concussion was severe dehydration. Bull crap. And you're saying it was more gravity was at fault? Really dehydrated. She may have arthritis. Not good. She may have fallen again that we don't know. So there are a lot more questions that's unanswered. What we know today is that she is on uh, thyroid medications. She suffers from hypothyroid or low thyroid that can cause some fatigueness. She also doesn't sweat. And all of that. What about this? photo that the Gateway Pundit had up today, Jim Hoft, in an article, and you know, Hillary's handler, I guess, caught was a diazepam pen. What would that be for? So one of the things that happens after having concussion, usually within a year or so, you should, re- re- all the symptoms should resolve. 
occasionally you have a latent or delayed kind of post-concussion syndromes and seizure so like is traumatic one of those. head issues for a football player traumatic exactly what it is and that can come years down the road she may have some of these symptoms you think that's what you're seeing well I certainly think that a traumatic brain injury with symptoms down the road is very very likely here especially since she had a blood clot on her brain and as David was mentioning that can actually lead to a seizure problem someone's carrying a pen is there proof that she has um, blood clot on the brain do we have any evidence of that other than what they Spe are they speculating they based on a concussion no 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 she or there's did have, an actual yeah. report of this yeah there oh. was an actual that you would use it, yeah. in the case of a seizure a valium pen that makes me wonder about that we need to see her records to see mm -hmm. what's the sequela well, they want donald trump's tax the break. there's two things we want from her we That's want her speeches to wall street and the medical there weren't any speeches of wall street no, i mean donald trump eating fast food is nothing compared to this bill clinton ate fast food in the white house That's president true. bush told me in the white house he couldn't stay away from the pastry chef <laughs> well the other thing and look at him now i got a break all right so something to follow people Bill's in great shape. He's gonna die soon. <laughs> Have you seen him? Oh yeah. He looks so emaciated and like gray. Yeah. I yeah, don't know how I know. that's in great shape. Well, he became if a so, vegan. So I don't know if I want to be in great shape. <laughs> if that's great shape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at him and I think, what? what he's what seventy? Maybe. He's older than her, isn't he? Gotta be. Oh, my mic's a little close to my keyboard. Sorry. <laughs> it's so loud. He looks road hard and put up wet for sure. Uh, 1946, 69. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 70 this oh, year. She's 68. Okay. So he'll be 70 coming up next week. <clears throat> Ooh, that's interesting. Happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> too bad. Uh, not too bad. And <laughs> I love Google. I hate Google, but I love it. Uh, you search for how old is Bill Clinton. The first option is a nice window. Bill Clinton slash age 69 years old, a picture of him. Then below that, it has a picture of Hillary Clinton, uh, spouse, 68 years old. The next picture, Monica Lewinsky, 43 years old. And then Donald Trump, 70 years old. Apparently, those are the relevant people around Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. Trump and Monica. That's kind of creepy. Trump's uh, Hillary's husband, right? <laughs> According to what she says. <laughs> I think so. <clears throat> but then, I mean, if we go totally crazy, Edward Klein. Edward Klein? Edward Klein. Um, the, the there there was talk. Of course, it's National Enquirer. According to a well-respected author, Edward Klein, his book "The Truth About Hillary," Bill discovered his wife was pregnant by reading it in the Arkansas Gazette. It's unfortunate, sad, really, that Chelsea has no real relationship with Hubble, who I believe to be her real biological father. When he's alive and kicking and living in North Carolina. But it could be she's in denial despite overwhelming proof that Webb is her real dad. However, Chelsea does or doesn't know about her paternity. I'm sure she considers Bill her real dad despite there being no blood ties. That's a quote from the Inquirer. I would like to point out that the National Enquirer gets a lot of uh, bad press in the mainstream media. For being right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the reason that I believe the mainstream press hates them is because the National Enquirer actually pays for information. Oh. And it turns out it might not be a bad idea. Hmm. Uh, what was his name? Edwards? Oh, John, 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 John Edwards? Yeah, the senator. Big time. During a campaign, right? Oh, Wasn't yeah. he running as was it John Kerry's running mate? Wasn't it yeah. Kerry Edwards? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The National Enquirer broke that. 
how could they be true? <laughs> so, usually, or or I should say, you should at least be Quite willing often. to look twice at the National Enquirer. But that there's a huge hypocrisy there because um, someone like uh, Larry Flint, the mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. publisher of Hustler magazine, mm-hmm. he was giving offering money to millions of people to to uh, dig up dirt against conservatives. And if something came up, they would applaud him for that. Right, right. So it's just pure hypocrisy for them to be upset. No. Are you sure? I'm quite certain. What is it again that we have learned is the language of liberals? Uh, I... I... I know this one. Oh, I know oh, this oh one. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lie. Deception. Yeah. NBC is in panic, reportedly. I, I'm, I'm jumping the gun. I have this later in the show. Por qué? Um, well, the NBC shows showings dip. Dips? Dips? What? Showing What'd dip? you call me? NBC's showing dips at the end of the full first week of the events of the 2000 Summer Olympic Games. The Rio Olympics wrapped its full week of competition on Friday night with Michael Phelps, Katie Ledecky, and primetime kickoff for track and field. Fast affiliate ratings give NBC's primetime showing for the games between 8 and 11 p.m. 23.9 million viewers and a 6.3 rating among adults 18 to 49. 49. <laughs> That's down from the night before and the lowest showing for a competitive night to date. And that's to be expected. Given the lineup and Friday's status as a typically slower night for TV viewers, the same Friday four years ago in London averaged 26.9 million viewers and the rating of 8.1 in the key demo. So I think people don't care as much as they they should, according to NBC. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I I know that you are just totally crushing the ratings. (laughs) Yeah. Um, someone's got to do it. It's in, you know, I golf occasionally. Huh. I used to be a big golfer. My dad was a big golfer. And, um, I remember when I was, you know, growing up and in high school, you had, you'd get, um, a set of clubs and you'd get the woods, mm-hmm. the driver. It's made out of wood. Mm-hmm. And, um, not anymore. And then you would have certain balls that you would use that, you know, you'd find them in the water and you'd hit them. And, um, but I went and I looked at the difference between the long driver from like the 70s to today. And it's like 75 yards further, something like that. Just, in, just in the equipment. And it's because of the equipment. Also, though, it's the other thing is, is the people that are, that are coming up now are are basically groomed from birth. And so you look at Tiger Woods. Well, look at the physique of physically different. Yeah, yeah, look at the physique of Tiger Woods versus um uh Jack Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Or look at Arnold Palmer compared to someone like Tar- Tiger Woods or uh some of the newer ones. Mm-hmm. They have uh nutritionists and physiologists and they do uh, they have their own psychiatrists and psychologists and analysts to help them with their thinking. And it's re- it's gotten to the point where it's ridiculous, where it is so far above the average person 
that I wonder if for some people it's just not really fun anymore. Uh, just because you can't, you can't, I mean, at one point you could look at someone like Lee Trevino and go, maybe I, I could, could do that. do that if I worked hard enough. And now you look at some, you look at some of them and you're like, I would need a million dollars <laughs> worth of lessons and equipment and. Well, we were talking about that, that last night, my wife and I, just about the the insanity that goes on in the four years between these mm-hmm. big global televised events. Mm-hmm. I mean, what in the world? How do they get paid? Is it straight sponsorship money? Do Does the U.S. Olympic team, do they actually pay these athletes to... Um, to build themselves into machines in the off season. Yeah, I wonder. Are they self-funded? I can't. Who who could do that? Or f- I would imagine that you can, um, um, like speak at TED events and to yeah, because they're probably all that good. Well, I mean, some of some of like the track and field. I mean, like if you competed in the last Olympics and you got a a silver last medal, Olympics, yeah, and you got a, like a silver medal, or you even if you competed, there are people that'll pay to have an Olympian come mm-hmm. and speak mm-hmm. to them. So they probably make money that way, some, and then with sponsorships, time or, and then the other thing is, if I was a physical therapist, mm-hmm. and I wanted publicity. Mm-hmm. To make it look like I was really good, I would offer my services for free to any Olympian that I could, so that oh, I could for say tons of PR. Yeah, for the <laughs> PR, you know. Yeah. So I bet they probably get a lot of free stuff. This I found a little bit eye-opening. Um. Hello. Hello. That's Wigan. Yeah. This is just yeah. About, the Olympic about the Games Olympics. are a competition that unites the world by creating clear lines of division between the superior nations and the inferior ones. And the Olympics are a two-week period where I care about the sports that I don't care about. Every four years, it's two weeks of passion and 204 weeks of complete indifference towards these sports. Let me tell you about my favorite ones, gymnastics. I'm grateful that this 15-year-old girl had parents who were emotionally abusive enough to live through her. Nine hours of training every day since she was three years old equals trauma in her psyche, stress fractures in her legs, but it equals national pride for me. I care enough about her that I'm glad she's had her whole life shattered so that she can have the glory of giving me seven minutes of glory when I watch her win a medal on TV. I forgot what her name was, but I do know she wasn't tall. Cycling. Love it. Cycling is the sport that determines which high-caliber athlete is most capable of passing a drug test. (laughs) Anybody can put on a pair of spandex and pedal a bike, but not just anybody has a chemistry knowledge to beat the world's best anti-doping chemical detection procedures. Track and field. Watching who can run the fastest in a straight line for nine seconds gives me hours of enjoyment. Usain Bolt, fastest man in history. When he wins another gold medal for Jamaica, it's a win for the U.S. because Jamaica is practically a part of the U.S., just like Puerto Rico and Canada. Except Canada has a policy against winning medals in the summer games for some reason. Swimming. I'm so glad Michael Phelps decided to make a comeback. To say that I'm riveted by this storyline is an understatement. Being an Olympic star for over half his life meant when he retired a few years ago, 
He had no way to feel like he mattered in the world. So I'm thrilled to see if he can desperately capture a sense of significance for a fleeting moment one more time before he faces the inevitable emptiness of the rest of his life. That's the heart of a champion right there, diving. I can't explain it, but I love watching diving. But I get so angry when they only show three minutes worth of it and then they switch over to televising the marathon for two hours. But I act like I don't care because for some reason I'm ashamed to admit to my friends that I love watching diving so much. Soccer. Soccer means a lot to European and South American countries, but the fact of the matter is, soccer doesn't mean a thing to any of the countries in the USA. And that's the trump card that proves it's irrelevant when the US horribly fails in soccer. <laughs> Besides, it's a game that lasts for three hours and ends with a score of one to nothing. That's hardly a game, and it's certainly not a sport. Race walking. Now this is a sport that makes sense. Who can go the fastest at not going their fastest? It's like who can be the best at mediocrity? So paradoxical, I love it. Basketball. Teamwork is what wins you gold in Olympic basketball. And the US knows that the best way to accomplish this is to take the 10 most selfish players in the NBA and form a team out of them. Basketball is an Olympic sport that carries more unknown variables than any other event. Will the U.S. win the gold medal game by 50 points, 70 points, or will we shamefully win by only 30 points? I could easily be an Olympic athlete if I was younger and if there was a sport I was really good at. I'm going to go swimming now. Be sure to oh, J.P. Sears, everybody. <clears throat> oh, man. Does he oh, play? man. <laughs> that is unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's surprisingly spot on. <laughs> it is. Because really, who cares? And we were, of course, we were, we're indulging in it this week. Why not? Mm -hmm. uh, we were watching track and field last night, having a conversation about it. And we realized that these running sports, there's no team in that. Mm -mm. I mean, it, and, well, a relay might maybe because you got to work together and there's a transition period. But there's, I mean, yeah. Hey, look, look what I did for the last four years. I can run so fast. I'm so good. Really? What in the world is the point of this? Now, if we're going to go back to Olympics, uh, didn't that happen in like the arena? Chariot races, people dying. Um, yeah, but it was an act of to worship towards a pagan god. To appease the, the, <clears throat> the slaves, to give them something to do so they don't uprise and take over. <laughs> right? Right? Throw some red meat to them. <laughs> You know, uh, somebody said to uh, Michael Jordan, there is no I in team. And he said, no, but there is in win. <laughs> so <clears throat> I guess you need the selfish players. I don't know. I, sure. <laughs> I, I, you have to be somewhat, well, mostly uh, engrossed in yourself to be a successful athlete, I think. Yeah. Because really, it's all about you. Yeah. I just don't know how it's not. Have you seen Chariot of Fire? You haven't ever seen Chariots of Fire? No. Oh. Should I have? Well, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I suppose. I mean, it's a classic. Anyway, oh, well, in that case. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> but they, ha they have an interesting scene in there. The main character, and I've forgotten his name, he became a missionary. The whole point is about him being a Christian during this whole time. And, um, like, he refused to run at one of the events because it was on a Sunday. And um, that's the main character. Selfish. He eventually became a missionary and was killed by the Japanese during World War II. Hmm. Um, 
But one of the people that he was competing with, I believe, was running the 100-yard dash. And right before he went out there, he he made some kind of statement. I'm going to paraphrase it. And he said, uh, basically, you know, I've been living my whole life for this one event. And when I win, what then? So his whole life has is culminating at a certain point. But then there's life after that. Mm-hmm. And so he's living it for a moment in time, and then it's going to be done. Now what do I do with my life? Right. So I would say, I I mean, I would agree. How weird it is and how useless it is. Don't you dare stop. You must reach for the top. Oh, don't you dare stop. Don't you stop. Never stop. Oh, don't you dare stop. You must reach for the top. Soundtrap, yeah. Soundtrack for the Olympics. Yeah. Reach for the top, because that's what we need to do. That's right. So there was, uh, speaking of the Olympics, still, I mean, why not, right? Um, no, this is not it. Technology. <coughs> a CNN host was apparently upset because Michael Phelps, who turns out, shocked to no one, is the most decorated, most winningest Olympian ever. Okay? Ever. Ever. 20, what, 23 gold medals, 20, what? I think 28 total medals up to now. 20, I think 23 of them are gold. And that is insane. I mean, he's he's a machine without doubt. Uh, I guess, though, that CNN didn't like that, that he was the one chosen by the team. He got chosen by the U.S. Uh, Olympic team, which was 500-some-plus people. Because 
he's the wrong color and not a woman. Uh, yeah, sir. But which I find fascinating because don't they want us to think that the genders don't matter? Eh, no. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I misunderstood. How come they didn't use the transgender? Was there a transgender American yep. U.S.? Yep. Oh, luckily I haven't heard about that that person. Chris, something other. He's on the duathlon. He was so a, he, so she's a girl. Okay, boy, you fell I'm right into it, into it. I just wow. want to ask for forgiveness from everybody <laughs> I can't who's listening. You never do that. I know. I, it, it was a moment of weakness. See, it, it's working, people. It, yeah, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, Chris with a ch was probably a Chris with a K. When you look at Chris, um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Anyways, <clears throat> ways this anyway. person is must have been a great athlete uh, as a woman. Because that's what she is. Um, but now... But is playing the boys game? Yeah, but now she gets to take testosterone. Hmm. Because... I, I, so and, if a guy took testosterone, that would be bad. And banned. A guy... Right, right now, you or I... If, say, say you were <clears throat> mediocre, pretty good at swimming. Mm-hmm. Just say that. Good, okay? that's all we're doing. <laughs> okay, we're just saying that. And... You could maybe make the Olympics team in swimming, but you're never going to medal. You could right now, right now, well, not right now, but if right now, if the Olympics uh, tryouts were happening, Mm -hmm. you could declare yourself to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And as long as your testosterone levels were within a certain range, you could perform. No, you could perform as a woman. You could compete against all the other women. If you took some drugs that lowered your testosterone levels at the time that they were uh, mm-hmm. were doing a drug test, you could compete against other women. Huh. Right now, you don't have to. Um, no surgery, nothing. No surgery, really, nothing, nothing. Sounds about right. And I think, <clears throat> I think it would be. I mean, you feel bad, but I would love to see them take this to their logical conclusion. I would love Michael Phelps to come out and say, you know what? I'm a woman. <laughs> Get all those records, yeah. too. <laughs> and win records, win, win the gold until he's like 70, you know? And it's not Michael, it's Michelle, but he doesn't change it. He's a lesbian, so he can be married and everything. <laughs> he just has to lower some testosterone right before and just go for it. I think that would be but do you think wonderful. He could, I don't think he could do it. Because he, I mean, if you've seen him this year, he's insanely ripped. Yeah, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Well, but I'm wondering if he could compete. I guess if Katie Ledecky can, and she's not. Um, Against women? Oh, yeah, he could. Well, he's nine feet tall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's okay, my point. That alone, that That's alone my wins point. right there. I mean, he can just reach over to the other side, touch it. <laughs> Done. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, uh, the U.S. Olympic team tweeted out after uh, he was given the honor by the team, Michael Phelps is honored to be the Team USA's flag bearer in the Rio 16 opening ceremony. Coming in a close second to Phelps in the team's vote was Ibtahaj Muhammad. It's easy for you to say. A woman, an African-American, and a Muslim to boot. What could be better, some thought, diversity, you know? 
Leading the pack of naysayers was W. Camus Bell, host of CNN's United Shades of America, which I didn't know that was a show. In a CNN op-ed, she described the swimming sensation as a, quote, tall, successful, rich white guy who clearly didn't need the honor. Quote, with 22 medal Olympic medals, you are already the most decorated athlete in Olympic history. But American fencer Ibtahaj Muhammad is a different story. Muhammad carried the flag. No, Muhammad carrying the flag would be much bigger than your one moment, Bell writes. It would be a symbol of our, for our country in this moment when we are mostly known for one of the most contentious, controversial, scandal-ridden, hateful, xenophobic, jingoistic, and just generally unlikable presidential elections in recent memory. This is a time at a time when we could use some more symbols of unity and togetherness. Bell referred to Muhammad as, quote, a one-stop inclusion shop due to her race, sex, and religion. She's not transgender, though. Phelps, on the other hand, was something else entirely. I think they should have done BZ Madden. They should have had her. Quote, no offense, but right now America has enough tall, successful, rich white guys hogging the spotlight trying to take and make America great, he said, in obvious reference to Donald Trump. Bell He's not tall. Yeah, he is. Bell concluded. How tall? Uh, six, two, or three, I think. Oh, okay. Was that including his hair? Ooh, man. Six, <laughs> eight. He might be five, eight. He concluded by saying that Phelps stepping aside in favor of Muhammad was already a done deal. Quote, again, thank you again for stepping aside for Ibtahaj Muhammad, he wrote. During these Olympics, you can win more medals to add to your all-time winning number of medals, but no medal will compare to making room for this. He was wrong on that one. Phelps carried the flag and led the delegation of American athletes yeah. at the opening ceremony. And so, there we have it. Affirmative action should be adopted by the U.S. Olympic Committee. Because Olympics isn't about winning medals at all. It's not about winning. <clears throat> oh, there's no winning. We just laugh a lot. <laughs> now, and the everyone girls, hug they sit around and, and tell do their secret. nails and tell secrets and talk <laughs> about boys. Chris Mosier. Mm -hmm. That's... The lady. Oh, 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 this is the, the, the lady masquerading? Yeah. Let's check it out. Chris Mosier. It's the first transgender athlete featured in a Nike ad. How do you spell that? M-O-S-I-E-R. Hmm. Huh. This, this is a guy. No. It's a girl playing a guy. Right? Oh, wait a second. No, they he won't be in the Olympics as the duathlon is not an event in the Summer Games. Sorry. Sorry. It's the first out trans man to make the U.S. The men's U.S. national team. U.S. Yeah, national yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. That's different. He's, yeah, totally different. She's a loser. She, yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. I mean, I think, uh, to be honest, I think that that is impressive that even with, you know... Um, an injection every day or every other day or however often it is with testosterone, she was able to make the men's team. <clears throat> so that is impressive. That means that she's a she's a very good athlete to compete on the level with men. The, prob the problem with all this, though, is getting to the point where 
they should just remove the male or female distinctive right. and just, yeah, just do athletes. Just athlete. Mm-hmm. But then when that happens, that's going to eliminate pretty much all women from ever winning a gold medal mm-hmm. unless it's, you know, gymnastics or something that's absolutely feminine. Or uh <clears throat> synchronized swimming. Yeah. Which is strictly a female sport. There was a funny Saturday Night Live skit from uh, like '82 with. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Talked about the, <laughs> it was funny. Two guys trying to be on the synchronized swimming team. For <laughs> so long as a transgender person, the body that I had before I transitioned Ugh. never matched what I thought that my body should be. In June 2015, I made Team USA for the Sprint Duathlon, which is the run, bike, run shorter distance and doing so I became the first trans man to make a men's US national team. When I was thinking about transitioning I delayed my transition for about a year because I was thinking about how transition would impact me in sport. Uh huh. I was doing well in races in the female category but I didn't identify as female and I didn't feel comfortable telling other people about my race results, but I wasn't sure what would happen if I transitioned to male and started to compete against men because I had never seen it With testosterone. And that's really why I feel you know, very passionate about being out and open as a transgender athlete, competing with men at a high level so that other people can see that it's possible. Wouldn't it have been cooler to be a woman and blow those guys out of the water? Yeah, you would think so. Wouldn't that be so? Wouldn't that be just a step, a a, a leap ahead for "quote unquote" feminist women's rights to prove that as a woman you can actually blow apart some of these men? Wouldn't that have been better? Nope, nope. I got to quit being a woman, go away, feminist, and now I have to become a man. I got to become that thing that they don't ever want me to be. They got to. I mean, the media right now has been just decimated for some of the coverage they've had of the female athletes, calling, saying how terrible it is that they're referencing their husbands and how their their husbands are helping them win and all this stuff. This right here would be the perfect example of a woman proving that as a female, if this is the goal, could actually do something against some men and be successful in sports. Oh, I'd agree. <clears throat> Sorry. I, I for the life of me I don't know why um the minute this happens mm-hmm. they should eliminate any drug testing for women just eliminate it yeah because she can take as much testosterone as she wants and testosterone is is some of the stuff that allows well it's the main other than the uh the skeleton the muscle muscular structure and whatnot but testosterone really boosts your performance why not just allow every single woman to do it because this woman's doing it okay here's here's a uh question 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 on the interweb primarily social media and Mm -hmm. in most most um publications the male upper body is acceptable to be bare right yeah to be have no, nothing on. That's actually encouraged if you are a male athlete. You typically shouldn't wear a shirt. If you are a female athlete, you must cover up your nipples and the bottom part of you. Correct? Yeah. Like that. that's the rule. Yeah. This person posed in the naked for ESPN 
This one did? Mm-hmm. This guy? Mm-hmm. For Gal? the body issue. <laughs> 2016 yeah. body issue. Okay. Now, with full... Now, I don't know if... If you ever see those, the females are always covering the important bits. Well, everyone is, but the guys, their upper bodies, you know, you see the whole chest. Well, you see this whole chest to this guy, girl, and the scars necessary to remove. Now, a few months back, I had the, uh, I guess, pleasure to meet a really nice uh, guy. Happens to be a bodybuilder, competitive bodybuilder. Now, are you talking like the the ones whose, you know, forearms or their arms are bigger than their head or more of the ones that are cut? Well, the, big, the, this, cut. this is not like the rage monster kind of people. Yeah. But like cut and, you know, compete because you are, you work forever to make yourself as cut as you can. Sure. Um, The females that compete in those competitions, they wear tops. Yeah. <laughs> You would never know the difference. Except for the top. Yeah. Right. You would never know the difference. So my question, why is that not an acceptable sport for women to just wear bottoms? Because they're physically, their bodies, unless they've had like implants put in, they are nothing but muscle. Mm-hmm. Just like the men. I think... What's the difference? I, I've heard that at different events, bodybuilding events... I mean, the women will come out on stage nude. Really? Yeah. To try to get an edge and to show, how, you know, to show everything, to show mm. how perfect they are, quote unquote. So okay. I don't think they, it's, I think it's more the um, the standards of the people that actually watch it and stuff. Mm. Okay. Sorry, maybe that's not a good example. It, it just, it's shocking I mean, to see a... Someone like this, then go like full on sports photograph, and you see this girl showing her whole chest. Well, but, I, but she had surgery to remove any protruding breasts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I watched this uh, Nike commercial mm-hmm. with her working out. I mean, she looks like a man if if she's standing there, but mm-hmm. when she moves and runs. Is it very feminine? It, to me, I look at it and I'm yeah. I'm thinking, if if I didn't know she was a girl, I would think she was gay, mm. a gay um, a gay man, mm-hmm. just because very um, not not super masculine. Right. I mean, she she has the haircut of like a very butch Justin lesbian. Bieber. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Sorry. Yeah. It is very Bieber. Yeah. I mean, it is. Um. It, Age it, thirty-five, five foot nine. I, I, I just, I have a problem with them um, promoting mental illness. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't do it with any other mental illness. No, it's it's unacceptable mm-hmm. to do with anything else. Yep. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I. It's sad but true. I guess. You guess. Uh, going back to uh, returning again to the Clintons, Bill Clinton, the genius that he is, is now coming out in protection, I believe, attempting, anyway, protection of his wife, we'll, we'll call her, 
Um, regarding the FBI. First of all, with the FBI director, the F, first of all, the FBI director said when he testified before Congress, he had to amend his previous day statement that she had never received any emails marked classified. They saw two little notes with a C on it. This is the biggest load of bull I ever heard that were about telephone calls that she needed to make. And the State Department typically puts a little C on it to discourage people from discussing it in public in the event the Secretary of State, whoever it is, doesn't make a telephone call. Does that sound threatening to the national security you? Last show, you brought up, I believe, the example of one, uh, was it a Marine? That in order to protect yeah. other soldiers, emailed himself a classified in some classified information. He right. He, he revealed classified information about this. Um, I think it was a Afghan police chief or something like that. That one of the one um, that he felt that he was working with the Taliban, which mm-hmm. was supposedly classified. So, for Mr. Clinton, ex-president. Non-convicted rapist President Bill Clinton <laughs> to say, does that sound like national security got damaged? The Secretary of State, whoever it is, doesn't make a telephone call. Does that sound threatening to the national security you? The information from that soldier, was that threatening to the national security? No. No, no if anything, it's, it was beneficial to the national security. Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. what we know, right? Yeah. So for him to use that argument is utter crap. It is a it, it is a plea, a panic ridden. Uh, do now listen to me when I'm talking to you. Now I'm going to tell you whatever I want, but you listen. I want you to listen to me. Performative. They're setting the stage to lie some more. Well, it's and it wasn't just two. I mean, he he's setting he's. Um, giving this narrative like there was just a couple emails. Right. right. Okay, first of all, she set up a private server at her house mm-hmm. or wherever it was that anybody... And now, she didn't do that. Right. She didn't... No. She didn't get out, you know, setting up a server for dummies and sat down in the basement with her legs crossed, putting it together. <laughs> I've looked into it. It's not simple. Yeah. So there was somebody... That she hired a business that hired that she she hired or the Clinton Foundation hired somebody hired to make it easier for her. Mm-hmm. Now, I I I have no doubt that she probably did all of this for convenience so that she can go on her blue BlackBerry and and do whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I would be willing to accept the narrative that she she wasn't wasn't intentionally maliciously um doing whatever that being said just assume that give that to them she did something that that any reasonable person should know would increase the likelihood of hackers actually getting in and getting the information there is no doubt it was negligence Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. And I heard a good example. When they say uh, Comey came out and he said, 
well, um, she didn't have intent, and because she didn't have intent, it it's ridiculous. Uh, it's nobody's been only one person in the last hundred years has been convicted under this statute, and since there was no intent, there's no reason to convict her. I heard somebody say, "Okay, that might be the case, but what happens if you're a, a parent?" And you take your loaded revolver and set it on the coffee table and walk away and your three-year-old comes up and shoots himself. You could legitimately say you had no intent to kill your child, mm-hmm. but you're still going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Because, because a reasonable person would know that putting a loaded gun next to a toddler you is, could dangerous? Re- is dangerous and you right. could reason- reasonably expect somebody to get hurt by it. Right. So this this argument that only intent matters mm-hmm. is garbage. It's absolute garbage. And the thing is, the reason why we don't get any of this information, and we've been hammering on this lately, mm-hmm. is the fact that there's this weird incestuous relationship between the, the media and the White House. I went and I, I saw an article, and and what got me uh, seeing the article, I saw a comment that somebody put on um, in the comments under uh, some news uh, media article. I can't remember which one it was. But they listed about, I don't know, 15 or 20 different people that are either married to or related to people in the White House. Like... For instance, the CBS president, the president of CBS News, David Rhodes, his brother is Ben Rhodes, Obama's deputy national national security advisor for strategic communications. He's married to Ann Norris, the chief foreign policy advisor to Senator Barbara Boxer. Now that's the president of CBS. The wow. president of CBS. Um, the ABC News, ABC President Ben Sherwood mm-hmm. is the brother of Obama's special advisor, Elizabeth Sherwood, the brother of, of one of uh, Obama's advisors is the ABC pres- is the president of ABC. The Washington Dep- uh, Deputy Bureau Chief for CNN is married to former Hillary Clinton's Deputy Secretary. Tom Nides. The NBC senior deputy political editor, Mark Murray, is married to Obama appointee Sasha Johnson, who is chief of staff at the FAA. ABC's news, ABC News executive producer Ian Cameron is married to Susan Rice, national really? security advisor. The ABC News executive producer. Wow. ABC's uh, news correspondent Claire Shipman is married to Jay Carney, former White House really? press secretary. <clears throat> um, and then consider this: ABC's news anchor George Stephanopoulos used to be the press secretary for Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. PBS chief of staff Julie Ann Bender was Clinton's deputy director. director at uh, the Department of Justice. Wow. 
Comcast ABC Senior VP Government Affairs Meredith Baxter was Bush's and Obama's commissioner for the FCC. CNN News Correspondent Cool Kwan was Obama's deputy chief of the FCC. PBS host Yul Kwan. Yul? Yul Kwan. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm just repeating that. It was so, CBS yeah. News and PBS. CNN Department Assignment Manager Joe Lockhart was, Printon's, was Clinton's press secretary. CBS VP Corporate Communications Lisa Caputo was Clinton's press se- secretary for the First Lady's office. Now, is there any reason why at all? That this isn't news? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Or that, or that Hillary's... Um, uh, health problems aren't constantly being brought up. Can you imagine what would happen if the same things that is happening with Hillary happened to Trump? Oh, man. It would be insane. It would be insane. Yeah. Where are the medical records? Mm-hmm. Where are the medical records? Where are the yep. medical records? Yep. It is outrageous. And the thing is, you tell the average person that, the goat, huh, that's crazy. Sounds about right. right. That's all they will say. And then the next... um. Uh, the next night, if they're watching ABC, NBC, CBS nightly news, and they give a report, they're going to take it at face value. Oh yeah. Yep. That's cognitive dissidence. That's two opposing ideas occupying the same space in your mind. You cannot trust the news media. You cannot. You can trust one thing on the news media that they are going to give one point of view. Right. And that is it. They are only going to give across the point of view that they want, that they politically want to give across. It's outrageous. The one that fits them the best. Yeah. But you wonder why this isn't, like, isn't newsworthy. Because it's them. They're not about to say anything against themselves. They're not going to say, oh, by the way, I'm married to that person. And don't worry, we don't talk. Yeah, right. You can't not talk. I'm sorry. Every single day, lawyers, um, judges, or at least it used to be this way, would recuse... (laughs) justice mattered. Yeah. Would recuse themselves from either taking a certain case or or hearing a certain case because they might have some relationship Mm -hmm. with the person coming before them. Right. That's gone. That's definitely gone in the media. There is no impartiality. There's no desire to know what the truth is. It is how do we spin this? How do we create this narrative so everybody believes it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the hypocrisy to me are these people who see that, understand that, and then they complain about how biased Fox News is. <laughs> Which in reality they're not they're not any different. They're, but, they're, they're but they're not. not different than anyone else. They're no. all corrupt. Yes. All of them. They're all run by their sponsors, really. Yep. And then they spout the news that they want you to hear, that they want to get out. That's just it it's a business, and that's what's interesting. When they went to a twenty four hour, seven day a week news cycle where you have the you have to have news in order to get people to watch. You have to then really start prepping your news to be um, newsworthy, and you got to prep it so it will be impactful, suck you in. And that's why every show, every hour, there's a theme. They tease what they're talking about at 45 past the hour, yeah, 
they do that at the beginning and we're going to do this and this and don't don't worry you don't don't forget to come back because we've got this person coming up and then this person next and then you hear boop, yeah. fox breaking news right yeah or yeah. whatever breaking, breaking news, news breaking nothing yeah it's 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 sad that so many people are just totally bought in that if they see it on if it says CNN, it says MSNBC, heck, it says Fox, truth. And, truth. And the crazy thing is there's no thinking involved. This is all emotion yeah. that's in, involved in it. And, and as a result of this, people have been primed so much mm-hmm. that to think, you can show them this information and they will tell you, yeah, that's kind of crazy. That doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And then the next breath, if you told them a story, they would say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. Yeah. And all conspiracy theory is anything that is told that is not part of the mainstream news that is all managed news. Right. You don't get anything on the mainstream news without them wanting it on there. Oh, no, not at all. So I no longer, I don't, I don't get all bent out of shape uh, when people, when people complain about the news media or why isn't this being reported or why isn't that being reported, because it is what it is. They uh, quite a long time ago they they have stopped being journalists and now they're political activists and that's what they do. So. So Bill Clinton coming out now and. Going after Comey, pretty much going after the FBI and saying mm-hmm. it's the biggest load of bull he's seen. It really seems that the one reason they had this internet, this email thing set up the way they did was not, I don't believe it was for convenience. I believe, based on, well, they're corrupt. <laughs> it's the biggest thing. I'm just saying for convenience, uh, for the sake of argument. Oh, no, so, sure. Absolutely, yeah. 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 But what happened? Who takes lots and lots of money associated to Hillary? <laughs> yeah. The Clinton Global Initiative. Mm-hmm. The Clinton Foundation is huge. And there's an article in the New York Post today. Is it today? Sorry. No, no, no. My bad. This is a year ago. Not new. It's not new. The Clinton Foundation's finances are so messy that the nation's most influential charity watchdog puts it puts it on its watch list of problematic nonprofits uh, last month. Hey guys, I'm back. The Clinton family's mega charity took in more than $140 million in grants and pledges in 2013, but spent just $9 million on direct aid. The group spent the bulk of its windfall on administration, travel, and salaries and bonuses, with the fattest payouts going to family members. You know, when you when you say that, you make it sound like it's a bad thing. On its 2013 tax forms, the most recent available as of last year, the foundation claimed it spent $30 million on payroll and employee benefits, $8.7 million in rent and office expenses, $9.2 million on conferences, conventions, and meetings, 
$8 million on fundraising and nearly $8.5 million on travel. None of the Clintons is on the payroll. That's interesting. But they do enjoy first-class flights paid for by the foundation. Yeah. In all... I'm sure they're not on the payroll. No. In all, the group reported $84.6 million in, quote, functional expenses on its 2013 tax return and had more than $64 million left over. Money, the organization has said, represents pledges rather than actual cash on hand. Some of the tens of millions in administrative costs finance more than 2,000 employees, including aid workers and health professionals around the world. But this still, this, but that's still far below the 75% rate of spending that nonprofit experts say a good charity should spend on its mission. Now, I think it was last, was the last show we talked about? Um, did we talk about Clinton Cash at all? That, that uh, documentary, Clinton, no. Clinton Cash. No. I don't think we did. We briefly touched on the Hillary movie, Hillary's America, right? Yep. <clears throat> but Clinton Cash is one you can find on the interweb, on the YouTube, and it really lays out the shocking, most coincidental connection between donors, rich, rich, rich donors, yep, to the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. And the fact that... Uh, Hillary would go to a country, and Bill just happened to be there. And who, oh, who else? Oh, this other multi-billionaire happened to be there as well. And they just happened to meet. And then all of a sudden, this guy's company didn't get hammered for something they were doing wrong. Uh, they got meetings with ambassadors in order, in return for big donations. Bill Clinton gets paid seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to do a speech. They've never paid someone that high before. And all of a sudden. I think it was, uh, uh, that was uh, Ericsson Phone Company. They were doing um, phone and communications deals in Iran uh-huh. at the time, Iran. Uh, at the time, that was against it, That was against the uh, embargoes that we had. Yeah. Well, turns out they'd give Bill Clinton a $750,000 payday, I'm oh, sorry, a speech payment, <laughs> and then... The State Department comes out and says, well, we're not actually going to um, hold communications companies to the same to the same um, or to the sanctions to the same sanction. Uh, We're going to allow them to self sanction themselves. (laughs) How convenient. And so they get off the hook by a minor. That's a that's chump change. Three quarter million dollars is nothing to a company like that. Nothing at all. They can do that with, they could throw that in the garbage and they'd never miss it. So, for them to do that, so that really is what's behind this Clinton email scandal is in all of these, the 30 some thousand emails that got like irreparably deleted. Yeah, it was by the lawyers. Yeah. What did that cover up? Oh, it was it's a not trail work related. I know it wasn't work related because it had to do with the Clinton Foundation. Sure. Yeah. No, I totally, yep. Yeah, I agree. So that Absolutely. I, that's the issue. This is nothing to do with convenience. Now, you bet they're going to call it that, but this is not the issue. The issue is there were dirty dealings going on, and no one's going to talk about it. Mike, I guess one question that I have is, um, are they any different than previous politicians? Maybe they're just more brazen? I think they're more brazen because they have such a... In the in the front to the media, the thing. media. 
Well, but they have this Clinton Global Initiative that they tout as awesome. I mean, it took how many millions and millions of dollars for Haiti? And how much got sent to Haiti? No, yeah. they built some really high-end hotels that none of the people that actually need help I, I have can heard, use. I have heard that they've uh, the foundation has received $2 billion so far. I, yeah, I think so. It's absolutely ridiculous. Did you hear... I'm sorry, since we're talking about corruption... <laughs> Um, did you hear about the uh, World Vision worker from the Gaza Strip? No. He was arrested by Israel for embezzling or um, for getting up to $50 million from World Vision to give to Hamas. Like they wanted him to do? No, he did it. He uh, embezzled up to $50 million to give to Hamas. Wow. He was a... Uh, Traitor? Well, he wasn't... He, he was a Muslim. He was a Hamas fighter who got a job with World Vision. Wow. That's creepy. Because they are one of the big Christian charity organizations, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're... They'd say they're, they're more uh, social work. Hmm. Than you know, spreading the gospel, but yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, so it's not just Clinton, <laughs> but the uh, that's astonishing. The, the th- I um, go ahead. Well, speaking of you know Hillary emails, Benghazi came up around this whole time. You know what what did they do? And then they have emails about what she said and all this, there were a ton of emails going forward or before Benghazi with Stevens and uh, the state department. And then all of a sudden there was none like almost blackout of emails between the, the ambassador and the state department. Well, Chris Matthews apparently can't figure out what in the world Clinton did wrong. (laughs) Maybe hold on. From uh, from New Hampshire, who during the RNC called for Hillary to face a firing squad. So considering his comments today, suggesting maybe Second Amendment people should take that into their own hands, he's going to have some Why explaining did, to not do. Why not to explain this part? Can you help him? Why? Why? Why a firing squad? What crime, capital crime did she commit? He was upset about the Benghazi situation. He said she should face a firing squad well, for well, treason. What did, well, what did she do in Benghazi? I keep wondering what she did in Benghazi. <laughs> Let them didn't send enough security forces, I suppose. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, then why didn't they hold a decent hearing? You know, I've been still waiting right. for Congress what? to run a decent hearing. What? Yeah. What? Oh, mm, it hurts. It hurts. Um, <laughs> he's still waiting for them to hold a decent hearing. A, de- so, a decent so the, hearing. So the problem with it is not that she consigned these people to death. No. They. No. It's the Republicans' fault. Yeah. They need <laughs> to hold a decent hearing. Wow. I can't reason with that. No. It's, yeah. Hey, let's. I think this is. There's more. Okay, go. Go through minute to my minute, half hour by half hour, where you were from the time you first heard this guy was in trouble, your friend, Chris Stevens. They never had, they don't have an organized hearing. Everybody asks a stupid question after stupid question, and and Hillary never had to do, which I think would have been helpful for her. Let me tell you, when I first heard it was 615, blah, blah, blah. I just checked it. Then we did this. Then we called it. Then we called him. I talked to Leon. We saw where the nearest forces were. But then, then I heard he was dead. You can't do that, Chris, because that didn't happen. You were going to say? Oh, no, no, keep going. Keep no, going. that's that's it. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, maybe it isn't the best segue. Keep going. <laughs> Although, well, and so at the, at the beginning of this, this lady who is named Laura something from the Huffington Post. Okay, enough said. Uh, right. Yeah. She made mention of Trump uh, saying that basically they claim calling for Hillary's uh, assassination. Oh. By, he said that, well, let's see, let's see where it is. I think it's down here. She, or he, let's see. The Second Amendment people can stop Hillary. Now, to me, that doesn't say... No, no, no. If you have a gun, go find out how to shoot her. Yeah, no, no, What no. it says is people that believe in the Second Amendment as written by our founders can come out and stop her, can vote, can, can yeah. actually make a difference, can make their voices heard. That's how that reads to me. Now, maybe, I don't know. I was listening to Ann Coulter. She was getting interviewed, and she, she used it as an example, the... Uh, the 94 election mm-hmm. and the Republicans took the House and the Senate for the first time in whoever, however many years. And the reason why they did it is that Biden before that was pushing. He went and he talked to, to all the um, uh, Democrats, Congress and Senate to try to convince them to, to vote for the um, assault weapons ban, right? ban <clears throat> which they did. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well. And the what it the end result is that they all got kicked out of office, hmm. and that is why the Democrats have never been able to come up and vote uh, um, for another ban because that didn't work out last time. Well, her point is that when it comes to the NRA and the people who believe in the Second Amendment, they have a single-minded purpose. Mm-hmm. They're very on focus, on target. Mm-hmm. And they're relentless when it comes to politics, and so you don't mess with them. Right. You can you can do whatever whatever you want, but the minute you cross that line uh, regarding the Second Amendment, they'll come after you, and you'll be looking for a job. I think that's the point that Trump was trying to make. So Trump makes that claim just last week, May twenty third, two thousand and eight. Hillary Clinton, running against Obama, actually has an interview that she sat down with the Sioux Falls Argus Leader editorial board, which is fascinating, Mm. and had this to say about her run with Obama. My opponent in his camp and some in the media, uh, there has been this urgency to end this. And, you know, historically that makes no sense. Um, So I I find it a bit of a mystery. You don't buy the party unity argument I don't, because, again, I've been around long enough. Uh, you know, my husband did not wrap up the nomination in 1992 until he won the California primary um, somewhere in the middle of June. June. Wait for it. We all remember Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June in California. Huh. Hmm. So, this is May 23rd. 2008. Well, remember, my husband, he didn't wrap up the nomination until June of his, uh, the, the election year. And, rem- oh, and we remember that Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June. So what is the implication? The implication is Obama might need to be assassinated for me to win. Yeah. Because yeah. it's coming up, it's May, for my husband, when he did it, mm-hmm. his one of his opponents... Got assassinated, got yep. murdered mm-hmm. right before. So, <clears throat> come on, guys, help me out here. It didn't work. 
thankfully. You just need one but, crazy. But no, I mean, the media did not lose their mind over that. But oh no, Trump says Second Amendment supporters can stop Hillary because they actually can come out and vote. Oh man, he's calling for her to be shot. No. Um, y'all. That's what I think about that. Harumph. I mean, but you can't you can't reason with that. No, no, and especially when you have a State Department who is insane. Matt Lee, reporter for the AP, I believe, is one of the best questioners ever. Oh, I saw this. Oh, ever. Yes. This. So this is the State Department, and I don't know who is this lady. What is her name? Elizabeth Trudeau is her name. Which Trudeau sounds? It's very. It's an elite sounding name. Well, the uh, the primer of Canada is yeah. Trudeau, right? Yep. So let's listen to this little exchange here. This this courtesy of RT, by the way. Do you have any response to criticism by some that suggests there was a relationship between uh, the Clinton Foundation and the State Department at the time? There was an email that came out in this recent set that uh, is between the an executive at the Clinton Foundation and Huma Abedin and Cheryl Mills where he is requesting to set up a, a meeting between a billionaire donor and the U.S. ambassador to Lebanon. Do you have any response to... So, you know, very similar to what I said before. Okay, shut up, Elizabeth. So, the question... There's a, What do you say? What's your response to this email that's out there that is claiming and says that there was a request by the billionaire to meet... And all they want is for her to say, uh, yeah, we looked into it yeah. and we didn't find anything. I'm not going to speak to specific emails. However, I think you guys know State Department officials are regularly in touch with a wide variety of um, outside individuals and, so the and question, organizations, Elizabeth. including businesses, nonprofits, NGOs, think tanks. You know, the nearly 55,000 pages of former Secretary Clinton's emails released. Okay. Okay. Emails are not put on paper by default. Why do they keep going to 55,000 pages of email? Yeah. Released by the department yeah, over the past point. year. Give a sense of the wide range of individuals, both inside and outside government, that State Department officials are in contact with on a range of subjects. So you don't feel like this e email or you don't feel like there was impropriety uh, in the relationship between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. Of we talk. What's interesting is this reporter who is asking the right question. Yep. Is like laughing at her, realizing it's like <laughs> you, she's not going <laughs> to say anything. You, you don't think there's any impropriety? I mean, it's almost like, are you kidding me? To a wide range of people at my level, at various levels Their in the level. department. NGOs, think tanks, business leaders, you know, um, experts Answer on a variety of subjects. Okay, and this is when Matt Lee, who is a genius, is sick of it. Sick of it all. Her question. And, 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 and importantly, in this case, Secretary this is not Matt Lee. No. made a pledge that she would not... This is another good question, though. ...personally statement. or substantially in any way involve herself with the Clinton Foundation. So... It's not just any outside organization. It's a specific organization <laughs> that she said ahead of time she wouldn't have contact with. So doesn't that doesn't this then seem to violate that pledge? So, again, so to again, reiterate, I'm you know, department officials are in touch with a wide range of individuals. Answer the question, Elizabeth. Former Secretary Clinton's ethics agreement 
did not preclude other State Department officials from having contact with Clinton Foundation staff. Not the question. Don't you almost... Don't you almost think she's like, hey, guys, <laughs> right? <laughs> come on now. Well, well, you know me. We're friends here. What's up? Well, it's so, I, I don't know if it's patronizing is the right word, but okay, again, I'm going to say uh, State Department has a wide variety of people they're in contact with. And again, I'm going to say, I'm not going to speak to any email, but I'm going to say again that we have a wide variety of contact with people. It has nothing to do with the question. <laughs> at least try, this try is Matt. to answer a a Abigail's question, which was, has the department looked into this and determined that there was no impropriety? As the department is regularly in touch with people across the Regular. whole spectrum. That's not the question. Answer the question. The question is whether or not you've looked into this, This the, the, the building has looked into it and determined that everything was okay, that there was nothing wrong. We feel confident in our ability I love and it. our past practice Wait for it. of reaching out to a variety of Matt sources. Matt is a and wizard. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you, am I not speaking English? Is this <laughs> I mean, is it coming across as a forum? I'm not asking you if, no one is saying it's, not okay or it's bad for the department to get a broad variety of, of, of input from different people. Ask The question is whether or not you've determined that there was nothing improper here. <laughs> I love Matt Lee. <laughs> I don't know how those spokespeople go out there every day. Well, I mean... Are, are they that arrogant and think they're that good at controlling the crowd that they can come out and s literally spin a line of utter nonsense? I guess so. But, you know, I mean... Or, or are they just being bullied from the other side of the door that we can't see and well, they just... of course. That way they go through them so, so, so fast? Of course they have that. But it's like um, every time that they go out, they get softball questions thrown at them mm -hmm. and they give they give a response... And they're satisfied with it. Mm -hmm. And then every so often, I suppose, as long as you don't make it blatant, if you don't ask a really penetrating question, or you, or it's the answer is not so blatantly obviously um, uh, trying to divert the attention of it, mm -hmm. they'll just go along with it. But at a certain point, they probably even they probably get sick sick of it. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, <laughs> the the other thing too is, you I have to believe that a, a lot of these journalists know that there are lines that shouldn't be crossed. That even though, if they had journalistic integrity, their their natural instinctive desire would be to cross these lines and ask these questions. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that know that look the other way because they know it's not going to end well if they continue on. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one time I was in um, in Mexico and talking to um, at, at a church. Chapo? Yeah, oh, no. me and El Chapo, we'd like this, man. No, um, I was talking to this guy at, at a church, and he said that he was driving to church one day, and he saw like a, a an SUV drive up to this guy and some people got out and grabbed the guy and threw him in the back of the SUV and drove away. And even though he's a Christian and everything, he didn't call that in. He didn't report it because he knew what was going to happen. That guy was going to get killed. And if he reported it, he might get killed. So there's not, I mean, there's no benefit mm -hmm. to it. It's just, it is what it is mm -hmm. and you can't change it because you don't have the power 
to change it. Right. I wonder how many of the journalists are like that, if they are honestly looking forward to it. So you you go you go places to maybe um, kind of fill that journalistic need to find a story, but they'll only let you go in certain directions and certain they'll only let you investigate certain forests, but other places are out of bounds. You know, MSNBC or CNN, you often can't tell the difference. You're flipping from one channel to another, and they're all Trump all the time. It's Trump land. What? How the media oh. is ruining this election by Amy Goodman of I Democracy Now. I see the Now. media as a huge kitchen table that stretches across the globe, that we all sit around and debate and discuss the most important issues of the day, war and peace, life and death, and anything less than that is a disservice to a democratic society. It is critical in an election year to hear how policies affect people on the ground. Not to get the pundits, but to get the people themselves. They're bringing you the pundits, and this is true on all the networks, the pundits, who know so little about so much, explaining <laughs> the world to us and getting it so wrong. The media manufactures consent for war, for candidates in elections, by bringing you more, for example, of one person, like Donald Trump. He is pumped into everyone's home. He can just stay in a gold-gilded mansion in New York or one of them in Florida. The rest of the candidates trudge from one state to another. Why does he get this unfiltered uh, pipeline into everyone's brain, into your eyes, into your consciousness? It matters. The Tyndall Center did a report in 2015. They looked at the whole year. They found Donald Trump got 23 times the coverage of, say, Bernie Sanders. They found ABC World News Tonight did something like 81 minutes on Donald Trump. And I think they gave Bernie Sanders 20 seconds. Bernie oh, Sanders wow. is breaking every record. It's the only reason he's getting any coverage right now. I mean, the media he he was. is shaming. This is four <laughs> months ago. Yeah. In March, he raised something like $44 million. Hillary Clinton raised 29 and change million dollars. $44 million. That hasn't been done before. You break every record and there's a blip in the corporate media radar screen. Corporate media. It just media. shows yeah. how astounding it would be if he got anything near the coverage of the other candidates. Could you imagine where he would be right now? In this high-tech digital age, with high-definition television, digital radio, all we get is static. That veil of distortion and lies and misrepresentations and half-truths that obscure reality. When what we need the media to give us is the dictionary definition of static. Criticism, opposition, unwanted interference. We need a media that covers power, not covers for power. We need a media that is the fourth estate, not for the state. And we need a media that covers the movements that create static and make history. Thank you, Amy. That's shocking because she's rather left herself. Well, the only but go ahead. No, carry on. I think it's. I, I would totally agree if um, the journalists were were to come in and say everything is fair game. Mm -hmm. I would think it would be great if a journalist, because they are a journalist, could not vote in any election. Ooh. And uh, their husband or wife could not.
participate in the political process in any any way. Um, <clears throat> my grandmother was a school teacher in the 30s, and she could not she could not be married if you were a school teacher. Really? Yeah, because they believed that I, I, obviously it was a calling, and so she couldn't. When she got married, she had to hide the fact that she was married in order to continue um, teaching. I think that there should be something not you can't get married if you're a, a, a journalist, mm-hmm. but you have to be so impartial, so impartial, that even in your editorials, that there wouldn't be such a thing as an editorial. But that'll never happen, of course. Well, no, not at all. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com on Facebook at David Allen Show, on Instagram at David Allen Show. Uh, there is one thing, you know, one of the, one of the things that the uh, the Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders campaign uh, really complains about is when people call names and when people like disrupt the the the, the system. Like we yeah. don't like it; it's not good. Yeah. Um, when we are doing, you know, we we don't like a candidate, but you need to be kind. You need to be nice to them, and so when. When Republicans um, say mean things or wish uh, that traffic would be bad for a candidate or wish that their event would get canceled, that's just demonized. Horrible. I cannot stand that. Well, um, a comedian in the Minneapolis area who I happen to know a little bit, I met her, and she was cool. Yeah. I... I, I think she's a loon. I think she's lost her mind. She posted a link on her Facebook page. She's big time anti, uh, I think, anything conservative, from what I can tell. 
she posted a link and uh, to a report that I'm not going to read because it has swear words in it, but it says blank Donald Trump's coming to Minneapolis. Okay. Her comment as posting it said, now can we block the freeways and the airport? Uh. Advocating this. So I went and just scrolled down the comments. One comment, no kidding. Another comment, I think we will be having road closures due to construction, right? I think we should all dress up as scary clowns that day. What? And then someone, the, the lady, the poster, said, We don't need to dress up, Katie. Our horrified expressions will be plenty scary. Oh, and then that person replied back, I just want to know who my friends are. Heart. Another commenter, I think we are. you are onto something. Hmm, wouldn't that be a hoot? It's an outstanding idea. Block his entrance into our city. Organize it. Uh, someone else, I'm in. Another person, everyone buys pocket constitutions. We start the hugest anti-Trump rally ever. The hugest? I even sent a message to Keith Ellison. He must do this. Someone thumbed up, thumbed that up. But I, I was intrigued because... Are you kidding? They advocate for, you know what? Tolerance, 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 oh, tolerance. But when a guy they don't like who is has done nothing wrong from what I can tell in this event, nothing. Now, yeah, he's brash. He's bold. He says things he's thinking that aren't people don't like. Maybe he's a jerk. I don't care. But for them to wish Will on his on his journey, if we if, if other people wished Will on Bernie, what in the world would they? Oh, how dare you? He's a man of the people. You can't stop the Hillary rally. That you can't. This is a democracy. You can't do that. So you're saying they're hypocrites? <laughs> is that maybe? <laughs> uh, I don't get. I that that really bothers me. But I mean, it's easy to get into it. Like sometimes, uh, I f I see myself doing that when I make fun of somebody who's on the left. And I realize I'm my sole purpose is to make fun of the person rather than what they stand for. Like somebody could listen to this and say we're making fun of Hillary, but the whole point isn't making fun of Hillary. The whole point is showing that there's something going on here and the media won't report it, mm -hmm. won't look into mm -hmm. it. It's not about, I mean, I don't wish any ill will on Hillary no. or anybody else. Um, I just don't want her in charge of things. Yeah. But, it, uh, again, it's, I mean, we want the best for people. The biggest thing for me, this is this is all I want. All I want is for... World, world peace. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I just want there to be an open marketplace of ideas. And so if I'm right, um, based upon my, um, uh, my arguments... Well, then you go, okay, I, I see your point. But if you don't want to follow, you don't have to. But we can talk about these things. We can think differently and still be friends if, we, if we're committed to certain values. But the problem is, and, and this, is, this is, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday or the day before, that the, the progressive ideology, the liberal progressive ideology, if progressive liberals had their way um they will either become monsters or victims they will either eat people or be eaten 
because that is the only way that is that is the end result of 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 what they want they don't want truth they don't want all they want is is their um political point of view to be expressed and Right. The right question is not what do we do about Obama. Particularly, the question is not what do we do about the criminality of this particular administration. The question is how do we reach people? How do we talk to them on a level that they understand? And believe it or not, me citing the Arms Export Control Act is not going to do a lot of good with people my age who don't know what, that, that arms are not those things that Jillian Barbary has on her, on her body. The, 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 the answer is actually uh, – nobody has spelled this out better than, than my, my mentor, David Horowitz. Nobody has spelled this out better. You have to speak the language of morality. You must speak the language of morality. The left wins because nobody on the left knows anything about politics. They know you're evil. That's it. They know you're a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe who hates the poor. <laughs> right? That's what they know about you. And it's not they think that about you. They know that about you. Deep down, they know all these evil things about you, which is why Thanksgiving dinners are always so awkward if you're unfortunate to have Jewish relatives or, or you have friends on the left, <laughs> which are the, the, the exact same focus group. The... <laughs> The, the answer to all of this is to speak in the language of morality. This is why I never say the government compels people to do stuff. The government does not compel people to do stuff. The government compels people to do stuff at point of gun. Why do I say that? Because leftists are scared of guns. <laughs> when we say the government compels things, people say, oh, well, compulsion. Well, that's just like taxes, right? No. That's somebody coming to your house in the middle of the night with a SWAT team, with a gun, pointing it at you and dragging you off to prison for not doing what they want. Right? That is what we are facing. Right, when it comes to the left, it's not when we we're such idiots. Honestly, we were constantly arguing about whether our tax program is more efficient than their tax program. It's not about efficiency. Barack Obama gave the right answer to the wrong question. Right, he gave, when he was asked in 2008, "Do you would you raise the capital gains tax even if it means less revenue to the government? Would you raise it?" He said, "Yes, for purposes of fairness. Right, even if it meant people were more impoverished, even if it meant people were more poor." The answer was yes, for purposes of fairness. Why? Because people don't speak the language of poverty. People don't speak the language of efficiency. People, speak, people don't speak Mitt Romney's 57-point tax plan. You can't even name two points on his 57-point tax plan. People speak the language of fairness and justice and morality. They want to think that they are right and the other guy is wrong. They want to have an, a feeling of, in many cases, unearned moral superiority based on their opposition to things. This is why all of the, uh, everybody was getting off, ripping on Donald Sterling for being a crazy old racist coot. Did they accomplish anything? No. But they felt real good because they got to go around telling all their friends that Donald Sterling was a racist old coot. Right? This, this is what they do. So, speak their language. In other words, next time they say something like, I believe in the minimum wage, then you should say, why exactly is it that you want to put a gun to the head of a business owner and force them to pay something? Why is that okay? Why isn't that violative of basic principles of consent? Like you, you know, you over here, you like gay marriage because you say that two men should be able to wed each other, but those two men shouldn't be able to do business with each other in a mutually agreed relationship. So if instead of them having sex, they were actually Ooh. just one was signing a check to the other to paint his car, then you're saying that's not okay? <laughs> and that you're going to take a gun and put it to the head of one of them in order to make that happen? It's because you're a totalitarian, right? This is the truth. The left is totalitarian. You don't have to feel bad about saying these things. And when, when, somebody on the, when you talk about the inefficiencies of the left's social policies in the inner city, who gives a crap? This is really, I mean, honestly, the, no one in the inner city is thinking about, wow, you know, this really is not very efficient. What they're thinking is there are a bunch of Tea Party Ku Klux Klaners out there who are going to invade their inner city and burn down their houses. Why do they think that? Because they're Democrats and apparently some Republicans. 
Thad Cochran, who actually have been doing this sort of stuff, have been saying this sort of stuff. The answer to that is that the real racists are and always have been folks on the left who wish to exploit racial division in order to pay off their cronies. The reason the education system sucks in the inner city is because the left wants to pay off its union buddies at the expense of black kids. The reason that the left has not done anything for the inner cities despite years of dominance in Detroit the reason is because they wanted the violence. And it is about intent. It's not about effect. There's a really telling point in the 2012 election cycle when Bill Clinton was talking about Obama. And he said, you know, the difference, you know, the difference between Obama and, and Mitt Romney is that Romney is somebody who, who says that Barack Obama's done a really poor job. Barack knows he hasn't done a great job, but he feels really bad about it. <laughs> this was an actual line. Right. And, and, and people bought that because and, and the polls show this. Right. Eighty percent of people, 80 percent of people thought that Mitt Romney cared less about them than Barack Obama in exit polls. Eighty percent. That's a majority of Republicans. Right. But when it came to policies, they agreed with Mitt Romney. But people don't vote with their heads. People vote with their hearts. So go after what people feel. Go after the language of morality. Socialism is not a good idea that went wrong. And whenever you hear Republicans or conservatives say this, it's because they have the IQ of a kumquat. Socialism was a horribly <laughs> evil idea that went completely right. It went exactly as they thought it was going to go. This was the design from the start. Socialism is a fundamentally immoral, evil, unfair, discriminatory, and, and disgusting system that violates off the bat three of the Ten Commandments. Right? You don't steal. God not government, and you shouldn't be jealous of your neighbor's ass, right? That's the, the, that's the in, in the actual language, correct? Yes. Not the Bill Clinton language. So <laughs> these, are, these are the terms that we should be speaking. These are the terms that hit young people. Because young people, don't, nobody has the time to read all of the, the entire editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. Nobody does. Everybody's attention span is five seconds long. So if you can't make people feel good about being conservative, make them feel really, really bad about, feel, about being leftist. You know why? They deserve to feel bad about being leftist. They're siding with an evil ideology. <laughs> so how can you not agree with that? I, I, I mean, he's, he's right. I mean, he's totally right. <clears throat> ben, ben Shapiro. Yeah, Ben Shapiro. Um, and the, the main question is, how do you reach the low information friends and relatives, meaning people who don't know what's going on and who, are just who get gonna, fed from news. Yes. Yeah. That, that would be a better, a better way of putting it. People who watch the evening news and take it at face value. How do you reach them? Cause they're not going to get it. Well, I've had, I, I've brought up some radical thinking to some family and that I, from what I can tell, get most of the, the news information from, typical mainstream outlets mm -hmm. and when you bring up the idea that maybe what they're telling you isn't actually the truth uh, oh I, I can't live in a country like that i just can't I, I, I can't do that so so do they they don't believe it i mean they don't they believe that they actually are telling it uh from what i can tell that's the way it sounds yeah is that well how could they how could they do that Somebody how how could government be corrupt and how could it be how could government be so corrupt that they would kill innocent people to prove their point or they would kill innocents they would do things that seem to go against basic humanity to get what they want how could that be i don't live in a country like that okay i don't want to live in a country like that either unfortunately 
when you give people power and you give them the opportunity to vote themselves free crap, yes, you get corruption. Yes. At the basic level and then it goes outrageous at the top. I guess at that point the alternative is so bad that they would rather believe a lie than to believe the truth cuz mm-hmm. and you know when it comes to stuff like that I I I think maybe in a way he's right. You you talk to them more from the point you from the point of view of morality and perhaps within time they'll actually see things how they are not how they wish them to be. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. So, uh do you are are you in the uh camp that if you don't agree with either voting option, you have another option and that could be not voting or it could be writing in somebody? Um are you in that camp? Versus what's the other camp? Well, the other camp is you need to vote for one of the two major parties. No, because, I, like, yeah. like like you either vote for someone or against somebody. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with I'm going to vote my conscience, which, which as we learned is last white week, privilege. It's white privilege and yeah. racist. Yeah. Um, I a uh, friend of mine shared this article, which uh, he says uh, helped to craft his or change his mind a little bit about that. I want to go through it a little bit and let's see if it changes our uh, your mind. Because I'm kind okay. of in the same camp. I don't know. Uh, well, there's no such thing as a protest vote. That's how it starts. Okay. We're in the season of protest vote advocacy, with writers of all political stripes making arguments for third-party candidates. Jill Stein, Gary Johnson. Write-in votes, Bernie Sanders, Rod Silva, or refusing to vote altogether. Hashtag never Trump. Hashtag Bernie or bust. For all the eloquence and passion and rage in these arguments, however, they suffer from a common flaw. There is no such thing as a protest vote. The authors of these pieces rarely line up their preferred presidential voting strategies, third-party write-in refusal, with the electoral system as it actually exists. In 2016, that system will offer 130 million or so voters just three options. A. I prefer Donald Trump to be president rather than Hillary Clinton. B. I prefer Hillary Clinton to be president rather than Donald Trump. Or C, whatever everybody else decides is okay with me. That's it. Those are the choices. All strategies other than a preference for Trump over Clinton or vice versa reduce to option C. People who believe in protest votes do so because they confuse sending a message with receiving one. You can send any message you like. A quote, I think Jill Stein should be president. Or I think David Duke should be president. Or I think Park Ensol should be president president who yes similarly you can send any message you like by not voting you can say you are sitting out the election because both parties are neoliberal or because an election without lyndon larouche is a sham (laughs) or because 9-11 was an inside job the story you tell yourself about your political commitments are yours to construct But it doesn't matter what message you think you're sending because no one will receive it. No one is listening. The system is set up so that every choice other than R or D boils down to I defer to the judgment of my fellow citizens. It's easy to argue that our system shouldn't work like that. It's impossible to argue it doesn't work like that. 
This is frustrating, of course, and that's how our presidential elections are set up. Democracies alternate and the coalition in power, but different systems to do so in different ways. In multiple party systems, voters get the satisfaction of voting for smaller, ideologically purer factions, environmental parties, anti-immigrant parties, and so on. The impure compromises come when those factions are forced to form coalitions large enough to govern. The inevitable trade-offs are part of the governing process, not the electoral process. In America, by contrast, the coalitions are the parties. Our system also produces alter... Al our system also produces alternation of power and requires compromises among competing interests. For those compromises happen, but those compromises happen within long-standing caucuses. In issues come out, they come and go, but the two parties remain. This forces the citizens themselves to get involved in the disappointing trade-offs rather than learning about them after the fact. No one gets what they want in a democracy Two-party systems simply rub voters' noses in that fact. People who plan to throw away their vote in, on option C usually argue that their imagined protests won't be futile. By offering one of the three theories of change, their protest will work as a boycott, or as a def defection, or as a step to third-party victory. The first theory of change, the boycott, assumes that if people simply refuse to vote, it will threaten the establishment with loss of legitimacy. This will in turn cause that establishment to become more responsive to the demands of the boycotters. Boycotts can work in countries where voting is mandatory because not voting can be an act of civil disobedience. In the United States, however, voting is not and has never been required our elites have always preferred minimal participation, and laziness is a cheaper tool than suppression. In presidential elections, non-voters always outnumber voters who choose the winning candidate. With that much passive non-participation, active non-participation gets lost. The second theory of change is defection, where voters believe they can force a loss on either the Democrats or the Republicans, and thus make that party adopt their preferred policies, rather than face another such loss in the future. Damage from defection has sometimes happened, as with James Weaver taking votes from Benjamin Harrison in 1892, but the two most widely discussed recent cases, Ross Perot taking votes from H.W. Bush in 92 and Ralph Nader from Al Gore in 2000, are not clear-cut. In, in Perot's case, he drew votes from Clinton and Bush. In Nader's case, it's not obvious how many of his voters would otherwise have stayed home. Furthermore, even in rare cases... Where, the, where, where there was the damage, the losing parties did not heed the defecting voters. The Republicans did not become notably friendlier to urban workers after Weaver, nor did the Democrats become more notably anti-corporate from the perceived threat of Nader. The third theory of change from protest voting is the obvious one, outright victory. This has never happened. Third-party candidates come in third, for the obvious reason. In two centuries of American politics, only 54 such candidates have ever received over one vote in a hundred. None won. And the only second place lost, Teddy Roosevelt, has, had already been president twice, before he ran as an outsider against his hand-picked successor, William Taft. He failed at the election but succeeded in splitting the Republican vote so badly a Democrat became president for the first time in 20 years. It's clear why third-party candidates want votes, but it's not clear why voters would want third parties. 
The Green Party, for example, hasn't elected so much as a member of Congress, much less fielded a, cre a, cre a credible presidential candidate. And their organization does not actually environment does no actual environmental work. Greenpeace helps the environment more in any given week than the Green Party has in its entire existence, a problem common to third parties generally. If you're a libertarian, you're better off donating to Cato than voting for, jo for Gary Johnson. If you're a paleoconservative, you're better off donating to the Rockford Institute than voting for Daryl Castle. This is the legacy of protest votes. None of the proposed theories of change change anything. Boycotts don't work since non-voting is a normal case. Defection elects the greater of two evils from the voters' point of view, and that's if it works, while doing little to the parties, and victory never happens. Not one third-party candidate has ever won or come close. Advocates of wasted votes don't bring up this record of universal failure, because their votes aren't about changing political results. They're about salving wounded pride. Throwing away your vote on a message no one will hear and which will change no outcome is sometimes presented as voting your conscience. But that's got it exactly backward. Your conscience is what keeps you from doing things that feel good to you but hurt other people. Citizens who vote for third-party candidates, write-in candidates, or nobody aren't voting their conscience. They are voting their ego, unable to accept that a system they find personally disheartening actually applies to them. It goes on, but I think that's the gist. So what's his point? <laughs> I think his point is vote for an R or a D. Or what? And, well, well, or or so, you are a selfish, egotistical pig. I think maybe, at least for me, I have to think about his prem. One of his unstated premises is that the political process is what changes things and the way to you mean change the things the electoral process i mean i'm sorry oh, okay. the electoral okay. prop mm -hmm. process is the way that things are changed are uh, going to be changed and uh, kind of like dinesh Dessouza is you know his hillary movie basically at the end it was the solution to all of our problems is to vote republican what happens if the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, say in 50 years, came out and they both said, uh, say the Republican Party said, we need to enslave black people again. Not just enslave black people, but we need to kill all black people who don't willingly allow themselves to be enslaved. And what if the Democratic Party came out and said, no, 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 we're, we're not going to kill them. We're just going to enslave them. We're the party of compassion. So we're not going to kill black people. We'll just enslave them, whereas the Republicans will kill them if they don't come willingly. If those are your two options, I mean, according to this guy, that would, and if people people are going to vote for it. Mm -hmm. um, then you better get on one of the wagons. Yeah. Basically, is this, is I mean, if it's a continual vote for the less of two evils, well, in that case, if you're going to vote for the less of two evils, you vote Democrat. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a lud ludicrous example, but the whole point isn't always voting for the less of two evils. And the other thing is, what if you don't believe the political process is the way that ultimate change is going to happen? 
what if you think that we are on a slippery slope going down to tyranny? Um, <clears throat> what, what then? I know only a small percentage of people were involved in the Revolutionary War that broke us away from England. What if the people, uh, what if the, uh, the um, you know, our founding fathers, what if they decided to just do things uh, through the political uh, process and no other way? I mean, we'd still be under England. Now, I can't, you know, I'm not getting into the justice of mm-hmm. all that, but to me, a lot of that seems to be... Um, I know there's a logical term for it. Almost a straw man. He's lifting something up that he says other people believe in and um, and then tears down what he says they, they believe in and they don't actually believe it. But So maybe that his argument makes sense if you think that by voting a third party you're actually going to get a third party elected. But it, what if... By voting a third party, if you think that if if there are enough people that vote, mm-hmm. what if you are under no illusion whatsoever that that your point of view is going to be elected and you hate uh, a good portion of what the other mm-hmm. parties believe? What if... But that's egotistical, and that's white privilege. <laughs> yes. But what if you believe actually the third party by... Um, increasing the number of people that actually vote for it will increase the uh, the likelihood that what they stand for is going to be uh, more aware to the public in general, that potentially you could make a difference that way. So does it appear that this guy may have more, like may have bought into the, the, the mainstream elite and probably media storyline that there are only two options and because we are the ones that give you those because the reality of this game the reason we have hillary and trump is strictly because of the media yeah there's not because popular vote i'm sorry there's no way now they happen to get the popular vote quote unquote of the primary system that is set up by these parties Mm -hmm. they happen to get that so it makes them that but it's only because those are the candidates that we were fed Mm -hmm. we got spoon fed them Yep. I mean, last show, we played that clip of Jon Stewart ripping apart the media because they literally blacked out Ron Paul. Yeah. yeah. He was doing better than Bachman and some other people they were talking about. People that dropped out of the race he was doing better than. They didn't talk about him. They talked about the people that dropped out and the people that are coming up, coming up last. These are the best of the losers. And so they black out Ron Paul. Why? Because he's a, he's a, a distraction and he's a, a danger to the establishment. Now, we kind of opined a little bit that maybe it's, you know, Trump is good in that he's rubbing the system the wrong way. Yep. But if we really think the media is so corrupt, he's in on the game. He's got to be. In some way, shape, or form, Yeah. I'd agree with so that. So they're all in on the game. I mean, Bernie Bernie probably is the most uh, authentic, but he got bought off or yeah. threatened something to get him out of there. There's, no, I don't think there's any other way around that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way I see it. Um, but I, I don't know why people... Th- there's this attitude that if we elect Trump, life is going to be good again. Make America great. Really? By, that's going to make America great? <laughs> Clearly. Really. 
Now, you could I think you could make the case vote Trump because he's going to elect better or he's going to appoint better Supreme Court justices than, than Hillary. Hillary. Okay. If you're going to vote for that, then basically you're going you're saying, "Okay, um I don't want us to drive the car at the cliff mm-hmm. at 150 miles an hour. I just want to drive it at 100 or 75 miles an hour." Okay. That way I can live a little bit longer before I hit the cliff. Okay. You know, if that if that's if that's why you're doing it, fine. You know, whatever your reason is. Mm-hmm. Personally, that that's my that's my thought about it. Um but I think it's it's ridiculous um when it comes to the um the political process, the presidential election. to have this attitude that these people are going to be our saviors in any way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. or that the other person is going to be so evil they're going to kill us. You know? Like, if Hillary Hillary gets elected, um, what can she really do that hasn't already been done, other than Supreme Court justices? But then look at all the Supreme Court justices that Bush and Reagan... Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they were the ones that that voted for Obamacare and some of the, you know, and the homosexual stuff. So, I mean, really, if you were going to look at it really objectively, you would say there's not that much of a difference. Yeah, and really, what can a president do? He can he can put you into war. He can appoint somebody, but they still have to be um, uh, confirmed. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. I'm not voting for Trump. I'm not voting for Hillary. So you're. I'm glad you're. You're stuck on your ego. Good. <laughs> that's excellent. Hey, I got privilege. That's right. You might as well use it. Yeah, that's right. You know, really, <laughs> like if you're gonna fly somewhere and you got a bunch of 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 air miles. Yeah. Why don't? Why can't you use? Them? Why that's not right. use it? Okay. You've earned them. I've earned them. Or even if I oh, didn't earn see, them, that's the key. Oh, oh I you... still got them. I got some. I got to use them. <laughs> huh? Have you heard that Obama's daughter? Uh, was oh yes. Filmed ostensibly. Is that the right word? Ostensibly. Yeah. Uh, supposedly. Smoking the doobie, man. Uh, <laughs> smoking. <laughs> Which I kind of. Uh, funny Smoking because Obama says that, well, I mean, he, he he did he did the drugs. Uh, on Heat Street, I don't know what this is, but anyway, uh, why should Malia Obama face no consequences? How old is she? And a poor black kid face jail? Um, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess because she's the president's daughter, we can't talk about her age. Uh, let's see. When a video of Malia Obama ostensibly smoking a joint at the Lollapalooza concert service this week. Oh, she's 18, so she oh. can smoke if she... Uh, not, not not weed. Not weed, but... There were a cigarettes. mix of internet reactions. Some feigned disappointment that the president's daughter would apparently engage in drug use. Some hearkened back to the poor treatment George W. Bush's daughters, Jenna and Barbara How tall Bush. do you think she is? 5'8", five, five, 9, I don't know. One she, of them she's is tall. She's 6'1". Whoa! 6'1". Oh, and when she All turned right. to the side, when she was smoking her doobie, when she turned to the side, <laughs> disappear. it was it was like she looks like uh, Obama put on a wig. 
weird. I mean, from the side, uh, she totally... Yeah, sorry. Sorry for going on a... So I, I think that... Um, that he is her dad, regardless of what oh, some people oh, might say. Oh, you know, gotcha. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's just no. Yeah. Well, and the reality is, she looks just like Michelle. Also, yeah. Strange, like the mom and the dad. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable! I've, I've seen some stuff out there where they're <laughs> saying like uh, Michelle Obama is really a guy right. or something. That was um, Joan Rivers, and she died. Oh, it was a tranny. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> So she she got put Whatever. out because she was bringing that up. So. Yeah. No, I, I I think that's kind of insane because it's clear that this I mean the kids look just like both of them. Yeah. So you can't. It's kind of hard to get both. Uh, millions of people instantly related to and defended Malia from the scrutiny. After all, who among us hadn't partaked in marijuana at a concert when we were eighteen? Well, Me. I can Me? put my hand up for that. Okay, I, I'll do it too. I've actually not partaked in it ever, and I'm happy about that. I did have it offered to me once. That was strange. Why? The, the strange have it offered? Yeah. Well, just because it was from someone I didn't expect. Oh. And I, yeah, whatever. Anyway. No names? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The concert Malia was attending was in Chicago. A few years ago, Chicago loosened up its fairly strict marijuana laws. Now, possession of a small amount of marijuana gets you a ticket instead of an arrest. But the fine is several hundred dollars. Smoking in public, however, is a different offense and can easily lead to arrest. My no- question. This is my question. Mm-hmm. Secret Service agents. Oh, had to be with her. Yeah. Law enforcement officers. Sworn law enforcement officers. Oh, she's fine. That's cool. Anyways, mm-hmm. keep going. Sorry. <clears throat> no, I'm done. No, oh. that's it. I, I mean, and this all came about in the same week that Michael Phelps took home his 22nd gold medal. Oh my goodness. So what? So that means that the news media tried to cover it up. So that means she did this knowing the Olympics were on, and it's. <laughs> I don't know. Now, was that, that was a recent picture. That wasn't like... Oh, yeah, no, yeah, this is current. Yeah, this is this uh, last week. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, literally, look look at Ma and Pa. I mean, Pa admits to... Okay, but here, here's, here's, the, here's the potential rub. If the president's Harvard-bound daughter is smoking marijuana without repercussion, perhaps other people should have the same benefit. And that, I think, is a fair question. So fair are point. you saying she has some privilege that other people don't have? It's possible. And that might be considered a black privilege. But that doesn't exist. Just or like Elite, black, sorry. Elite privilege. Black privilege doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> nope. Well, there you go. Racism only goes one way, people. Privilege <laughs> only goes one way. That's right. The whiteies have it, and that's it. Yep. Crack a privilege. <laughs> Kill all the white devils. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Well, you never know about that. Why not? I mean, it's... What can you do? Really? Mm. This is the no agenda. (laughs) We have have none. I I actually have some interesting stuff coming up about the Olympics, uh, courtesy of JCD from No Agenda, actually, coming up next.
I think his hair is just stupid, not tall. Wow! This is the David Allen Show. Do you think he's bald underneath? Do you think that's a toupee? A rug? I don't know. I don't know either. Because it looks like... It looks like a rug. <laughs> we just learned that Obama is six foot one, and Trump is six foot two. And uh, David had the, uh, the the audacity to wonder if that was pre-hair or post-hair. Yeah. I think Trump's hair is just crazy, not tall. But no, yeah. I, 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 was, I was thinking, uh, Bush is small, short, compared to Obama. And so he Obama kind of towers over George W., and so when they made that transition into the White House, it was kind of, you know, the tall guy's now lording over the new guy. Get him out of there. It'd yeah. be funny uh, if, 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 if Trump wins. Uh, that transition will be funny to look. People look, he can look down at Obama. I don't know. Just little things. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> the Olympics, again, I mean, we're, we're running full circle here. Uh, just because we can. The Olympics, courtesy of the No Agenda Show, uh, John C. Dvorak Daniel Winter. brought this uh, clip to the table. Did you know that no games has come in under budget since 1960? Cost is always a matter of controversy with the Olympics. Okay. Controversy. No games has come in under budget since when? 1960? Wow. Ever they're held. Although the Rio games have come in around 50% over budget. It- but yeah, I mean, I one dollar over budget is over budget. I would like to see the percentage. Okay, here I, th- I think we'll get there. Oh, okay. been less costly so far than other recent Olympics, but the question still remains: when it comes to economic gains, does Brazil stand to win or lose? Well, lose clearly. Rio de Janeiro, seven years ago, jubilation at the decision to give the 2016 Olympic Games to Brazil. Many cheering here were hoping for more work and a better future. 120,000 temporary jobs were created. Temporary. After all, Rio (laughs) needed stadiums, roads, and a new metro line. Its dilapidated harbor was in desperate need of an upgrade. Still is. And the city would need dozens of new hotels. Rio de Janeiro would not be where it is today without the Olympic Games as a catalyst. (laughs) <laughs> Clearly. History. We'll talk about the Rio de Janeiro before the Olympic Games and a much better Rio de Janeiro after the Olympic Games. The country has modestly poured both money and concrete into new construction projects, trying to avoid the spiraling costs of previous games. Until now, the gold medal for cost went to the Winter Olympics in Sochi two years ago at $22 billion. Silver went to the 2012 Summer Games in London at $15 billion. Rio doesn't even make it to the podium at $4.6 billion outlay. Wow. Wow. But the Olympics have still pushed the city to its limits. Rio de Janeiro had to declare a state of financial emergency. It was only able to continue hosting the Games after the federal government issued a special loan. Good idea. Great idea. Our country is poor. We need infrastructure built. Um, we got these Olympic Games coming in where athletes from around the globe who need to be, they need clean water and no garbage and a clean harbor. 
we need this. We got to have all these hotels and everything to handle these people. Uh, but we have people living in the streets still, and the city can't pay for it. So let's. It's a state of emergency. We declare a state of emergency in the country so we can fund these games. What in the world do you think they could have done if they if they'd taken that state of emergency funding and actually helped people, for crying out loud? The Olympics do nothing. Nope. They made stadiums that are going to go to waste next week. Yep. What are they going to do with all these stadiums? Are they going to disassemble them and take them to the next place? I don't think so. Yeah, they did absolutely. But you have to, I mean, it is, it is South America. It is a culture. It's a Latin culture. It's Catholic culture. And um, <clears throat> it tends to, when you have a Latin or Catholic culture, they tend to be quite inefficient. But let's think about this. The Sochi Games, mm-hmm. $22 billion were spent on those. $22 billion. Mm-hmm. London... Four years ago, $12 billion, $15, $15 billion. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous. I'm sorry, outrageous. But Rio only spends four? Yeah. What did they do? Well, they, What did they not do? Evidently, they didn't. They, they don't do have anything. a lot of money. <laughs> but okay, if they built a new infrastructure, a new metro line, stadiums, Hotels for four billion dollars. They did all of that to Matt. What in the world are they wasting money on in Sochi? Was that their budget or how much they spent? That's how much they spent, and that's fifty percent over budget. Yeah. So then it it should have been uh, what two and a half billion dollars. But U.S. what U.S. Bank Field, this new U.S. Bank monstrosity in Minneapolis Mm -hmm. to host the Minnesota Vikings, gorgeous facility. It's a billion dollars. One, but that's state of the art. Like it's being built as this phenomenal venue it's great but that's a billion dollars but i mean consider the country so they could build four of those for what they spent yeah in rio yeah and they ended up building others and what else so what did they waste money on in sochi in london what in the world did that cost go with well how much corruption went on there well i would imagine in london the um the cost per Cost of a uh, square foot of real estate is probably pretty high. Okay, <clears throat> were you, were, you were looking that up, right? I'm looking <laughs> something up. So you said the so- Sochi Sochi Ale- games twenty two billion dollars. They that's what that Russia said. spent twenty two billion. That's what the, that's what that report claimed. Tourist infrastructure. Well, that can't be right. One second. Holy cow. No, <laughs> it's more than that. Well, according to uh, Wikipedia, it said as, as of October 2013, the estimated combined cost of the 2014 Winter Olympics had topped $51 billion. You said 14. Winter. That's different. Winter. These these are the summer games. Oh, the summer. <clears throat> yep. Well, Sochi was the winter games in 2014. Oh, no, you're right. So this article from the International Business Times from August 5 this year says 
hosting the Olympic Games is a monumental task that requires heavy lifting and a large budget that usually grows beyond what was originally estimated. True. The sports-related cost of the Games in Rio are likely to end up being approximately $4.6 billion, a recent study conducted at the SED Business School at the University of Oxford found that means the games will end up being approximately 51% over budget. The overall cost of the games, including all Olympic-related pro projects, has been estimated at $12 billion, Okay, for which the state of Rio is responsible for a quarter. Okay, so it's a quarter. Okay. That's how much the, 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 the state has to do. do. Subway construction, temporary power at venues, and seating have all raised the cost of this year's games. Approximately 70% of the cost of the games has come from the private sector. Policy analysis firm IHS noted the local organizing committee is running a deficit between $121 million and $151 million. I'm not sure where the $30 million discrepancy is there. But mo the most important summer games and winter Sorry, the most recent summer games and winter games have been the most expensive on record. The summer games in London cost a, came with a $15 billion price tag, and the winter games in Sochi topped off at $21.9 billion. No Olympic games have come in under budget since 1960. Quote, at 156% in real terms, the Olympics have the highest average cost overrun of any type of mega project. You know what I think it is, though? Corruption. I think it's corruption because you have to deal with all these countries from yeah. around the world yeah. and you have to grease people's palms. For a city and a nation to decide to stage the Olympic Games is to decide to take on one of the most costly and financially most risky type of mega project that exists, something that many cities and nations have learned to their peril. When Brazil was announced as the host of the first games, first ever games in South America in 09, the country's economy was booming. Now the games are coming amid the worst economic recession Brazil recession Brazil has in the last 80 years. The road to the Olympics have been bumpy for Rio with headlines announcing infrastructure delays, problem at the Olympic Village, and health worries due to the Zika virus. In June, Rio's governor declared a state of financial emergency asking for federal support to keep basic services running. A July opinion poll found that 63% of Brazilians already think that hosting the Olympics will cause more harm than good for Brazil. Sounds like a winning, a winning uh, decision to make. And now, I, the what is it, the 20, 2024 games? Or is it 2020? No. Or it's, yeah, 2024. I think the LA is uh, bidding. For those games, which I don't know where you put people in the Los Angeles area. It's a nightmare there. They would yeah. have to be so far out of the city to fit people. Yeah. But we are a modern economy. I know it's uh, Brazil's developing co country with well over 200 million people. So it's a huge country and it's one of the, um, one of the, uh, one of the up and coming economies. Um, I just don't know. I mean, you have to build all these facilities. You got you have to have the 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 physical facilities. But if you to have run the these events, but if you have the uh, a good infrastructure, it's a whole lot easier. I don't okay. think they have an infrastructure at all. I mean, no. But if you think about it, they were able to do that and mm -hmm. host them. And I mean, from what you see on television, it looks cool. It looks Olympic-y. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's sub 
par. Unless you leave the building and I then you look, get mugged. The cameras don't leave the building, so it's <laughs> <Okay>. fine. <laughs> Although I did watch some uh, the eight eight person rowing uh-huh. up in the bay, and they're just flying, and I just figured they were going as fast as they could to get out of that water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So so actually, it's a motivating. Yes. Thing. Hey. <laughs> Don't touch the water or you will die. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Fastest <laughs> times ever. <laughs> um, You know, like it, when they went to China, um, Beijing, right? Wasn't it in Beijing? Yeah. Um, they made all of the factories stop, um, uh, stop, you know, basically shut down all the factories for like a week or two beforehand to clear up the smog. Oh, that's right. That's right. So... I, you know, I don't know why in Brazil they didn't just come in and basically say, if you <laughs> rob a white person or somebody from another country, we're going to shoot you on spot. Too because, late. Because they do have they do have squads that'll go out and and capture street kids and just kill them. Really? Yeah, because of all the crime and whatnot in Rio. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Huh. Or at the very least, you know, basically say if if we catch you doing something like this. You're going to prison for life, you know. I mean, absolutely hammer them, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Ask Ryan Lochte. <laughs> Lochte, yeah. yeah. Swimmer. Gold medal swimmer. Gold medal swimmer. Mm-hmm. Got robbed at gunpoint. By people who impersonated uh, police officers. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> that's how they say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Mexico. <laughs> who said they were actually impersonating anyone? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it's special. Uh, I have two more pieces, but I want to wait just a minute before we get into them. Um, there is this interesting thing. I, I spend, uh, and, and I get a fair amount of interesting news from a show called No Agenda, which is uh, excellent. They have wonderful analysis of the um, of the news today, and it's fun. Uh, they have put together a visual... And if you will go to that, it's the bottom on the that second page of our show notes, that bottom link, that Zika. Yep. Go there. And let's look at this. This what what it is. Back when Ebola, remember Ebola? Holy cow. Ebola was apparently like the big, big deal. Holy cow, we're all gonna die. Ebola's bad, 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 bad. Just we're losing it. We're just terrible. Um and so the our government decided we'd go out and we would uh, raise a bunch of cash for Ebola because we have to fix Ebola. Ebola. Well, Ebola is no longer an issue, and so there was a lot of pledged money, which was, um, oh man, one point nine billion, two billion dollars, some ridiculous number. It's, it's in the billions. Was pledged for this Ebola. Now the Ebola situation is done. What is the latest scary thing? Zika. Now what the president is trying to do is now they're trying to just flip that. So now we're not going out and raising new funds. We're actually wanting to collect all the money that was pledged to Ebola for Zika now. So we can now get this stuff for Zika. Well, uh, they have laid out this genius chart which shows where this money is supposed to go and how much of it has actually been given. Apparently, there's $1.9 billion short of pledged money that was pledged for this. Now, Aust- pledged by governments? Oh, uh, yeah. Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, China. EU. Uh, 
Canada, just for reference, Canada pledged $96 million. They are still $13 million short on their pledge. China pledged $125 million. Uh, they, it looks like, have given all of their cash. Uh, the United States has pledged, what's that, $2.364 billion and has paid that. So we, we're good on that. Um, the UK, $1 billion pledge, and it looks like they're half a million, half a billion dollars short. Yeah. Ooh, look at, oh, no, the EU isn't too bad. Uh, no, it's still three-quarter billion dollars out of, uh, they've delivered three-quarters of their pledge. That's true. Oh, look at the Bill and Melinda Gates. <laughs> no, Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates. We should have asked Should have asked Melinda last week about that. Yeah. $58 million pledge, $6 million short. Larry Page. Ooh, uh, Larry look Page, at look how much he pledged. How much? Who Google, right? The yeah, Google Larry Page Foundation. I'll give twenty-five million. Yeah, that's the ticket. How much has been delivered? Oh, none. Uh, Silicon Valley Community Foundation uh, pledged twenty-five million dollars, and they have delivered uh, none. Uh, Paul Allen Family Foundation. Uh, they owe five million dollars. UN Women million dollars. Uh, so it's just, it's interesting to that's see. That's for that, Ebola. Well, that's it right there. But that's the key. For Ebola. This money was pledged for Ebola. The president is now, and the Congress, he's like urging Americans, urging citizens to call their congressmen and tell them to do their job and flip this around so we can get this money for Zika now. They're flipping it from Ebola to Zika. So, oh, So then my question is, the money came in and they didn't spend it. Oh, not the problem is not much of it has. These are pledges, and but it's been it's been promised to all these countries and all these other things. Uh, the U.S. Department. Oh, see. I see. Yeah, the U.N. Ebola Rescue Fund moved to Zika Rescue right, Fund. Right. Got it. In April of 2016, uh, where does it go? Like, uh, how? Let's see. Seven million dollars goes to the American Refugee Committee. Um, six hundred. Look at that. Six hundred thirty-one million dollars going to the U.S. Department of Defense. Why? NGO countries: Liberia, six hundred sixty-eight million dollars. Guinea, eight hundred thirty-five million dollars. Why would any of it go to the African Union for Zika <laughs> or Planned Parenthood? The what? Wor- yeah, the World Bank, fifty million dollars. They gotta get say a Swedish civil con. Contingencies Agency, $1.5 million. Samaritan's Perth. Perth. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this, this um, the, again, courtesy, have a courtesy the No Agenda Show, uh, this is a great, great, just a picture, an overview of, of uh, that money that is now being converted from Ebola, since Ebola is not an issue anymore. I mean, we don't. It's not in the news, at least. To now, Zika. So, are 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 you thinking? Are you thinking? I am not thinking. <laughs> You're thinking they're just moving their money around because they need some more mole. Well, it, it's it's got to be mm-hmm. to some of these people. I don't know what else it would be. I, I, yeah, I just I don't think it can be anything else. Strange, strange indeed. This is the David Allen Show. David Allen Show.com.
This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. So, Zika. Zika, Zika, Zika. Go Zika! Zika! Uh, one of the recurring themes on this show tend to be that um, you can't have it both ways. Right? Right. When did gay marriage become, like, national, like, uh, at a federal level, uh, <clears throat> a right by the, afforded to us by the Constitution, according to the Supreme Court? When was that? Uh, I don't know. What was the date? I mean, was that a year ago? Uh, two years ago? A year, year ago, what, what, Was it last term? Like, this, this term they just wrapped up, the one before that? So, yeah. like, June 2015-ish is when that uh, came down? In like June of 2015, mm-hmm. something like that. What was the reasoning and the logic behind their uh, the argument to make uh, marriage between the same sex uh, just normal? Like it's it's the same as everything else. Um. What what was their logic that was used? Uh. <clears throat> Come on, all the arguments. What were they? How can you deny something? Because they love each other, right? Yeah. Because uh, this doesn't hurt anyone else. It's the Constitution just, prom- promises liberty to all within right. Its and reach. who are we to tell people who they can love and who they can't love? Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Matt Walsh has an interesting article. Mm. Uh, I will read a little bit of it. It's called "If All Loves Equal." This incestuous mother and son couple should be celebrated. Yes, it should. The Daily Mail reported on the controversial romance of a New Mexico couple who reconnected after many years apart and fell instantly in love upon meeting again. And I do apologize for any children listening. I should have prefaced that. This exclusive... Um... Let's see. This from I just went to the, the the Daily Mail to get the actual story from them really quick. Uh, a mother and son whose forbidden love affair could lend them each a lengthy jail sentence have declared they are quote madly in love and nothing will tear them apart. Monica, thirty six, and her son Caleb, nineteen, face up to eighteen months in prison if found guilty of incest at a trial later this year in New Mexico. But the mother and son couple have vowed to fight for their right to have a sexual relationship and are appealing to the public to donate to their legal fund. In an exclusive individual in an, in an exclusive individual interview with the Daily Mail online, they told how they are willing to risk everything to be together and have decided to go public with their affair in a bid to raise awareness of genetic sexual attraction relationships or GSAs. GSA is defined as sexual attraction between close relatives, such as siblings or half-siblings, a parent, an offspring, or first and second cousins who first meet as adults. Now, I, I'm, I'm holding back the vomit as I read this, so just so you're aware, uh, if I run out the room, it's because I'm throwing up. Uh, Mares said, this is the mother, he is the love of my life and I don't want to lose him. My kids love him. My whole family does. Nothing can come between us, not courts or jail, nothing. I have to be with him. When I get out of prison, I will move out of Clovis to a state that allows us to be together. 
Incest is a crime in all 50 states, but the specifics of the laws and punishment vary greatly from state to state. Mother of nine, Marriage said she would even give up the right to see her other children if she was asked to choose between them and her lover, her son. The couple who currently live separately in Clovis, New Mexico, are banned from having any contact from each other by the courts, first embarked on their love affair towards the end of last year. Mares was just 16 when she gave birth to Peterson, whose pre-adoption name was Carlos, and he was adopted as a baby. So they didn't, she didn't no. mother him? No. The 36-year-old, who didn't raise Peterson, saw him for the first time in 18 years last Christmas when she picked him up at, a, at his adoptive family's house, in Texas, and brought him to her home after the pair got in touch over Facebook. Oh, Facebook. The couple soon developed romantic feelings for each other, and their relationship began became sexual a few weeks later. The first time I met my son in person, I was so happy and excited, I gave him a big hug. I went to go pick him up at his dad's house in Texas. He gave me a call, and I asked him to pick me up. I got butterflies in my stomach. I can't go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's enough. That's insane. She continued, this is later down. At first I told him, I'm sorry, I don't know how you're going to react to this. I'm your mom and you're my son, but I love you. No. So the real question, back to uh, <clears throat> Walsh. He says, the Daily Mail reports on the controversial romance of a New York, of a New Mexico couple who reconnected after many years apart and fell instantly in love upon meeting again. It would be like something right out of a fairy tale if not for the fact that the two lovebirds are related. Not just related, but mother and son. And if you're currently in a place where it would be inconvenient to suddenly start projectile vomiting all over the walls, I'd advise you refrain from clicking the link I provided. And I, I, that's the link I clicked on. The story is dark, twisted, and stomach-churning. It's not necessary nor medically recommended that you read all the sordid details yourself. In an act of heroic self-sacrifice, I already endured the whole article so that I could give you a summary. It goes like this. We already read it. We know what it says. Um, they make a strangely familiar case. They say they are in love. They say their love is just as loving as anyone else's love. They mm -hmm. say they aren't hurting anybody. They say they're consenting adults. They say this is none of the government's business. They even have the requisite sciency sounding name for their lifestyle choice. They claim their experience GSA, which stands for genetic sexual attraction. As everyone knows, any fetish is automatically legit legitimate if it can be turned into an acronym. And there's another name too, because just one creepy euphemism isn't sufficient anymore. Incestuous couples are members of the quote, consanguinamorous community. Oh. There are many consanguinamorous folks who want to have relations with their brother, sister, mother, father, uncle, etc. And as the reasoning goes, if a lot of people wish to do a certain thing, then that thing must be okay, and it must be even natural. Gee, where have we heard those rationales before? The article kindly provides a reminder to anyone who needs it. An incest activist, yes, those exist now, by the name of Chris, uh, uh, Christina Shy is interviewed by the mayor's, about the mayor's case. Shy is in a relationship with her half-brother and ironically does not seem very shy about it. She now spends her time campaigning to see that her particular brand of deviancy is normalized and accepted in the mainstream. Shy may be severely deranged both mentally and spiritually, but she does make a pretty salient point. Quote, 
Our whole community is watching this case and looking for updates. It needs to be brought to the attention of everyone in the country, and people need to start thinking differently. It was the same with gay people just a few years ago, and now they can get married. They are accepted. Well, why not cons... Them. Consanguinamorous people like us. We are all adults. We are not pedophiles. There's no domestic issue. We are in love, and we want to be together, but we are related. That shouldn't be a deciding factor. <clears throat> so, uh, just a couple points here. Number one, it's consensual. Nobody denies the two adult men can indeed consent to marry each other. But can we deny it in the case of Monica and Caleb? He's 19, she's 36. They have agency over their own bodies. Their reunion happened when the son was a legal adult. That means that both made their own choices. God help them. Nobody was forced into anything. Number two, it's not hurting anyone. Yes, incestuous couples have a much higher risk of conceiving babies with birth defects, but contraception and abortion are also legal. But what difference does that make? Moreover, you just kill them. Yeah. Moreover, our laws say that an unborn child is not a child. While it's still in the womb, it's precisely at this stage of development that the non-child child, if he were conceived and allowed to live, would develop. Whatever harm done to a person would therefore occur at a point when the person isn't a person. So that argument goes out the window. Number three, love is love. This is, the really, this is really the whole crux of the thing. It's the reason why the Supreme Court decided to pretend that a right to gay marriage, quotes, was embedded mysteriously into the Constitution. Love is love. Two people have the right to love each other. All love is equal. All love is the same. Nobody's love is better than anybody else's, and so forth. As the love struck, Caleb put it, quote, This is about whether I have the right to love someone. And I sure as heck have the right to love Monica. You can't tell people who to love or who not to love. And just replace Monica with Maurice or Michael, and the left would consider his argument bulletproof. If we must accept and legitimize all love, how can we possibly deny young Caleb? How does love his mother? He does love his mother. That much is clear. Too clear, really. Of course, these are not the only rationales offered by the offered for gay marriage. There are others. I was born this way. I can't choose who I love. It's 2000-something, whatever year we're in. I have a right to be happy. I should have the same right as people who do not share my, pro, my uh, proclivity. Uh, this kind of sexual sexuality exists in the animal kingdom. Don't be narrow-minded. Stop judging. Stop imposing your religious beliefs on me. And so on. Under each argument, right down the line, without exception, Monica and Caleb qualify, as do folks in the bestiality and pedophile and polygamous communities. A slippery slope? No, there is no slope. It's a straight plunge into the abyss. Quote, traditional marriage was a separate and distinct thing and could be justified using arguments that don't apply to anything but itself. It existed on hard ground and was built on a solid foundation with walls and a roof and everything else. Once you tear all that down and dig out the ground from underneath it, the decent, the, the descent into utter madness and depravity is inevitable, sudden, and unstoppable. Progressives spent decades calling the slippery slope argument against gay marriage a fallacy. So they are now reluctant to admit that everything conservatives said in the regard was plainly true. And will soon come to fruition. But they'll be less bashful about it as time goes on. In fact, some have already grabbed the dynamite and tried to blow up the floodgates. 
Slate ran an article not long ago calling the legitimacy for polygamy. A college professor from New York released a book really recently offering a philosophical analysis of child adult sex. This is another in a long line of progressive attempts to not so subtly normalize pedophilia. Time magazine posted an editorial several years ago asking whether incest should be legal. And always on the forefront of liberal lunacy, Canada was told by their Supreme Court a couple months ago that bestiality is permissible so long as there is, quote, no penetration involved. Sadly, as far as I'm aware, nobody has come to the defense of necrophiliac friends yet, but I'm sure they'll have their time in the sun soon enough. I, for anyone apart, apart from God, this is the logical. It, ha- it has to go there, right? Yeah. And so the headline I made was, "You can't have it both ways. You can't build up gay marriage and normalize yes. it, legalize it, and say it's absolutely it's right. We have to allow it because there's nothing wrong with it. You have to do the same with this, and you have to do the same as every step down the hill you go. But I, and I don't think that any of the gay lobby or transgender lobby or the polygamy lobby has any issue with this. I don't think any of them are... are, You know what? Sometimes you hear the case when it comes to... They can't um, have an issue with it. Exactly. That's my point. If they do, their argument goes in the garbage. Yeah, exactly. The only people that can look at this and say anything are the people uh, who said before that this is a slippery slope and it's heading this direction. But if but if the average person looks at all this and goes, eh, what do you yeah, say? You, you, exactly. You, you can't say anything. You can't. And again, this is to me, this is more this is more evidence of uh of a nation and a culture under judgment from God. Um this is the judgment, yeah. not the destruction that's coming. This giving people over to a depraved mind. This is what's going on right now. Because if you have to explain this to somebody... Yeah. The uh, one sentence I just overlooked in his article, he starts it out with saying, another dispatch from Sodom. (laughs) Wow. I think you're right. Yeah. At what point is it going to be an end? I mean, because they, they keep knocking down supports. Mm-hmm. What are they going to be satisfied with? I mean, theoretically, at a certain point, there's nothing more to protest because everything... Everything will be there. <clears throat> well, then it will be too free and too open. People have too many options, and then we got to narrow that down again. Or is it going to be... Or is it just going to the the next thing that they're going to turn on are people who don't agree with all of it, and they're going to be the uh, the I, next objects of I, wrath? Sure, I I, I kind of don't see how that isn't the case. No. Well, there you go. <laughs> Buckle I, yeah, up, people! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, it is coming, and it's true. And we, I mean, I've said it for a long time. You, I mean, we've talked about it on the show. It has to go there. Yeah. There's no other option. And when you bring that up, though, and during the whole gay marriage debate before the Supreme Court had their 
way. You know, I one time had the audacity <gasps> to uh, on Facebook write uh, a comment just imploring the youth of this town mainly because mm-hmm. that's who was in ripping apart someone for holding the view that marriage should be between a man and a woman mm-hmm. uh, imploring them to think for a second mm-hmm. and would they be okay with because the homosexual lifestyle was taboo mm-hmm. it has now become not taboo in our mainstream media mm-hmm. and in the the social norms of our society will they be as on board as cheerleading, as gung-ho, as passionate in support of the next taboo thing. Let's say it's taboo right now, but in 10 years, in 15 years, it won't be. And I linked to the uh, NAMBLA, National Association of Man-Boy Love, yep. which is a real thing. Yep. There is actual, uh, it's, it's, an, it's a thing. It's for real. Yep. And I said, this is something that is taboo today. If it gets to not be, are you still going to be as pro this too? Is this going to be something that you'll allow and be good with? And of course, oh, how dare you equate the two? How dare you say homosexuals are pedophiles? And I didn't. The point is that used to be a taboo subject. This is a taboo subject currently. We all agree this is not good. But really, based on what? I just had this thought... That maybe the next structure that's going to go down is the idea of consent. What does consent mean? Oh, because opens a lot of doors. Yeah, because if it's between two consenting adults, who are we to interfere? Well, what does it mean to consent? Mm. I wonder what. I wonder. Uh, well, one thing Matt Walsh did. He, I, I listened to his. He had a blog post or a. a a podcast that he put out about that article kind of mm-hmm. digging into that and about how government should actually legislate morality. Mm-hmm. And my, my uh, comment on his uh, like call for legislating on morality mm-hmm. is I don't want our current system to legislate morality because their morality is garbage. It's not morality. There is no truth anymore to them. And so I don't want them doing that because their moral reality is not mine. Mm-hmm. It's not truth. But his whole thing was, we have these other laws in place. I mean, you can't murder. Why? Because it's wrong. Why is it wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, we have, we have. There's a moral truth there that but states it being wrong. But then that's legislating morality. If you say you can't murder. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not okay to do that. But it is at some level. But then where's the plumb line? Where's that standard of truth? Where's mm-hmm. that moral standard? Because if we hold it up with with murder, which I'm I'm, I'm kind of in favor of. Yeah. How can you not hold up a same similar standard in other areas? You know? Well, I think it goes back to consent. This idea that, um, you know, you don't want somebody to murder you. You're not okay with this. Is a, you don't want somebody to come in and break into your house and steal your stuff. No. You don't want somebody to come in forced to have sex and you don't want to rape, you know. So I think consent is probably the... The thing. So then defining what that looks like yeah. is, is the next step. Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, they said no, but um, 
But their EQ said otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> their body language. Well, I mean, it could be like that. They, they were obviously um, they were just uh, shy. a closeted they were shy. gay. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. <clears throat> um, the only... It's, yeah, it's never going to happen. I mean, I think you could maybe make a case on some of it that if we could go back to the time where states rights mm-hmm. reign supreme where um <clears throat> each state can define certain things in certain ways so that if this state you know if you can't live in this state because of whatever reason you could potentially move to another one mm-hmm. but that i mean that of course that'll never happen because tyranny it's all it's a uh, it's winner take all the liberal progressive attitude is winner take all. Mm-hmm. They are never going to allow anybody to um, have their own idea or opinion that is different than what um, the the progressive liberals say people should think and believe. That's why, again, it's it's totalitarian. Um, Anybody who follows that and supports that, they're either going to be a monster or a victim. Those are the only two options. Because you can't be you can't be anything other than that. So. <laughs> Yeehaw, cowboy. Please stop planting churches. Who? K. Albert Little writes, A friend of mine is planting a church in Montreal, Canada. He doesn't know I'm writing this. He doesn't know how I feel about church planting. He was raised a Catholic and left. I converted. He might have some idea. As a young evangelical, planting a church was the ultimate badge of courage, honor, and faith. Buoyed by that insatiable North American do-it-yourself spirit, we saw church planters as the ultimate urban missionaries. As a concerned Catholic, I see them much differently now. Now, as a Catholic, hearing of a new, quote, church plant here or there never fails to give me pains in my stomach. And now, as a Catholic, I worry about unity in the body of Christ and denominational divides more than I ever did as a Protestant. As a happy-go-lucky Protestant, these kinds of concerns were barely on my radar. These days, much more. Recently, I made the amateur mistake of making a comment on Facebook about the Anglican Church of Canada. The church was meeting to, among other things, vote on their marriage canon. There were those within the church that wanted to see it changed, much like their American counterparts, and opened up to same-sex couples. On Facebook, I wondered out loud, which was more important to the bishops, clergy, and laity voting at the synod, gender equality or denominational unity. I reaped the firestorm of comments I likely deserved. Those comments of conjectures rarely end well on Facebook. But Protestants, excluding most Anglican and Lutheran insiders, have a very different understanding of authority and hierarchy, and, having sat on both sides of the gymnasium, I can understand both perspectives. To me, that kind of a question about authority and gender parity is a complicated one to consider. In the Catholic world, authority comes from the bishop. This line of bishops can be historically traced back to the apostles appointed by Christ. The apostles who themselves appointed successors and on and on and on. The historical lineage of the bishops and popes is shockingly complete. 
As an evangelical, the ideas of lineage or apostolic succession were as foreign to me as terms like cantor and vestment. In the evangelical world, a pastor or layperson felt a calling from God and went out to fulfill it. And sometimes that meant planting a church. But here's the thing about the body of Christ. The Nicene Creed, the benchmark of Orthodox Christian doctrine in the early church, was the earliest Christians lived and died for, identifies the church with the words one, holy, and apostolic. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, prays that Christians will be one as he is one with the Father. Unity, visible unity, is the golden standard for Christianity. How poorly we fail to meet this goal. And here's how I see church planting these days, as a further fracturing of our already disappointing disunity. And let's not just shake our heads at our fulsome abandonment of Christian unity. Let's do something about it. Instead of discerning a need in a particular community or for a particular style of worship and striking out on our own, let's work instead with the body of Christ, which already exists there. Instead of deciding to church, to plant church, go next door to the First Baptist Emmanuel Church, let's find commonalities and work together. Instead of starting a soup kitchen, an admirable Christian goal, right down the street from St. Mary and Martha's work, why not find out what already exists there and pitch in to build it up and augment their work? Why is it important? Because Jesus said so. Because alongside things like feed my sheep and blessed are the poor and his obvious penchant from... Dismantling social classes, Jesus prayed in one of his very few recorded prayers for Christian unity. And if it was a big deal for Jesus, then it should be a big deal for us, too. And I understand my evangelical friends and foes, I likely have lots of the latter, have a different understanding of authority than I do. This may be shocking and weird and unexpected, but I truly think it, out, it ought to be considered. Are the urban missionaries we so lauded in my younger years doing as much of a service for the body of Christ as they are doing the exact opposite? Which is more important to Christ? Striking out and worshiping in a new way or demonstrating visible unity here on earth? Just looking at that, thinks, uh, reminds me of that um, at the conference, that one lady who was talking about culture mm -hmm. and how different people in different cultures communicate in different ways and and <clears throat> this person is insinuating or thinks that all churches should be the same, that should have the same culture. Everything should be the same regardless of the culture. So in some ways, he is um, he's acknowledging some infallible culture, Christian culture that transcends everything else. Um, and what a lot of these church plants do is they go in and they meet people at their own culture mm -hmm. and they meet them where they're at. And a lot of people either don't know that there's a church in town or they don't have any clue about what's going on because of their culture, or they might look at it and see it as something evil. So this, this whole idea of Christian unity... Uh, there's a there's a disconnect in what the, in what he's saying and what we believe Christian unity means. Mm -hmm. We believe Christian unity means there's you have the same kind of heart and same kind of desire to serve God, the same general beliefs to serve God, 
same general beliefs on how a person's sins are forgiven and how to move forward. But in that in that structure, you have people with different temperaments, different talents, different backgrounds, different cultures, different languages. You have so many different things that there is no possible way you could just have one church that would potentially monolithically meet every or reach people everywhere in where they're at. And just because you have a bunch of churches that people meet in, in different places at different times doesn't mean that there isn't a Christian unity there. Just because there's different addresses on where they quote unquote uh, worship at. So I think the first thing is that he needs to maybe define better what he means by Christian unity. Well, what I think it clearly means is uh, Catholic. Well, of course he means Catholic. Right. Yeah, you need to be unified with the Catholics because I, and this is me saying for him, I understand that the Catholics actually are right. And the Catholics, we understand uh, order, and we understand the lineage, because the lineage of the priesthood is clearly traceable back to Jesus. And I, but he is saying unity, right? Unity is, means coming under it, that. It, yes, it is believing what right. I believe. Right. Right. Whereas the other churches are saying the same thing. If you want unity, then you need to believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. So he's doing what he's accusing <laughs> everybody else of doing. Right. I just thought it was interesting, especially since he's calling for this and reiterating numerous times that I, as a Catholic now, I, as a converted Catholic, I, as a Catholic, not as a young evangelical who knew nothing, I, as a new Catholic, I understand what that means. I understand unity, and I understand what in the world difference does it make if the people who run your religion have a lineage? Who Who cares? That's nothing in the Bible. Exactly. If anything, it's detrimental because they think they're better. They think they're actually holy. And no man is holy. Except the Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Well, that was a little fun, fun reprise. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yeah. Yes, indeed. Stupid is what stupid does. Speaking of that, the latest craze in our society with the kids. Those crazy kids? Mm-hmm. Is what? Uh, Pokemon Go! Hey! Bing, 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 bong. <gasps> bing, bing, bong, bong, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Uh... Do you have it on your yeah. iPhone? Uh, nope. Nope. I saw this uh, article. It's called How Playing Pokemon Go Nearly Made Me Lose My Mind. <laughs> no way. Are you it, kidding? It can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> this lady, uh, she's, in, she's in England, and she said, uh, um, Monday morning, one hand trapped behind the fat and guzzling midget with the other, I idly opened the gates of hell meaning I downloaded the game Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Go is an augmented reality game. It requires you to trot about in the real world, staring at your smartphone so as to find and collect colored goblin goblins from different locations. 
Well, she, she talked about it, about how this is just sucking the life out of her, where she starts forgetting, even worrying about her kids. She, um, all that matters is the game. <clears throat> and um, she talks about what a horrible impact um, it, it's been having. And she also talked about another game, similar game called uh, the Brookhaven Experiment. It's a zombie game. Really? Well, is it, that the one where you actually go around the like, uh, alternate reality where you actually are shooting people? Yeah. For real? Yeah, but, virtual but through, reality. through the game? Yeah. But vir- augmented, though. Because you're in real life. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So it's just augmenting your reality. Yes. Yep. That's really what Pokemon Go is. Augmenting reality. Um, and, Which uh, is the next thing. Virtual reality is, is dumb. No one's going to do it. Augmented reality is scary and very much the thing. That's the next thing. Well, the guy who created the Brookhaven experiment, he um, he reported that he let, it, he let a 12-year-old try his game. Even before any violence began, he said the child was so scared... He asked for his headset to be taken off. It didn't feel like fun, said the child. It felt real. If it feels real, if human mind and body respond to it as real, are we quite sure it's okay to let kids kill? (laughs) And then she said, well, I don't suppose there's much to be done. Those little Pokemon goblins have paved the the way for bigger, badder monsters. Mm -hmm. But this isn't the magical world of Enid Blyton come to life. This is self-inflicted psychosis. Mm-hmm. And um, she's right. Imagine going into a game at any time and you spend your entire time shooting or killing yeah. or raping or whatever. Yeah. In a game that feels real. That's exactly the the sentiment. I had this conversation with my son today mm-hmm. about it because his friends are all doing it. Oh, the Pokemon Go? Yeah. And I said the biggest problem with these games is it causes you... To lose touch with reality, mm-hmm. you you have this thing that consumes your thought, and it makes people. And he's just kind of shocked that people would do this. And I appreciate this about him, that they would wander out in traffic trying to get a stupid thing of the game. But mm-hmm. it's true that happens. Mm-hmm. You turn into a creature, mm-hmm. and that's not good. Mm-hmm. So you go out and get. It. And he said, "Yeah, there's 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 stories of people that are setting up." And this is my nine year old told me this that there are stories of people putting out lures in certain areas for kids that are playing at night so it will attract them and then they're trying to abduct these kids and the fact that my nine-year-old knows about that is terrifying yeah but all the more reason that we're not getting the game yeah it's just not gonna happen yeah because i we don't need that none of the no virtual reality because that's the next step and you know what's going to happen and you know they're going to have little things that you can attach to your glasses so that you can see it in real time it's called Google Glass (laughs) it just needs to be built more yes exactly that is the direction that we're going Mm -hmm. and heaven help people that that have anything to do with that Mm -hmm. yeah it's terrifying you're a fool if you uh, allow that that I do agree with. And, you know, I just, it, it's not worth it to me. And mm-hmm. the fact that these adults, these parents are actively giving this to their children that are my kids' friends is terrifying. Yeah. Because I have to actually say no. And that's not, 
it's not bad, but it's just the thing we're going to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it happen. Mm -hmm. This is the David Allen show. Sorry to end on a downer there. Nah, not really a downer. It's more a reality check. Yep, that's right. This is the David Allen Show. Uh, once again, this month of August is going to be strange for our show. We uh, are in and out on Thursdays uh, just because of the schedules that we both hold right now. And yes. we are in the middle of doing some show. Some show stirring a bit. Yes. So we're, uh, we're looking at some things. We're uh, hopefully going to add video this coming this fall. Yes. We're going to build our show notes page. So we're going to have some of that stuff. You'll be able to find the, uh, the links to the stories that we talk about. Which is important. Very much so, because we're not just here blathering on. We actually have some... And the, making the, stuff up. Right. We have some stuff behind what we say <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, davidallenshow.com at this point. Uh, if you have an email question, davidallenshow at gmail.com. Uh, this is the end. <laughs> Episode 27, did I say, right? Yeah, yeah, you did. I can't believe that. Uh, me neither. So, yeah. So, uh, stay tuned. I uh, can't we believe. appreciate those that uh, listen live. We do that. <laughs> Sorry, right now the listen live thing is <laughs> up in the air because I don't know what day it's going to happen usually. But typically it's Thursday nights around yeah. the 8 o'clock hour, yep. p.m. Central Time, roughly. Um, but then we are on iTunes at David Allen Show and on the Google Play Store if you're interested, David Allen Show. Uh, if you go to the website, davidallenshow.com, there is a uh, subscribe button that will take you right to iTunes. And you can subscribe there and get our get our uh, latest episode as soon as it's published, which typically happens um, within an hour of the show ending. So uh, we appreciate you checking us out. Uh, tell your friends, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any last words, David? Uh, don't be stupid. Really? Pokemon yeah. Go? No. Yeah, no. No. Pokemon, no. Ooh. Uh, let, let's start a, an anti-campaign. Yes. Pokemon, no. Pokemon, no go. No. Po yeah. And I'm spent. <laughs> <laughs> this is the David <laughs> Allen Show. Have a fantastic week. We uh, we should we will be here on Thursday night this next coming week. Coming Coming next week. Yes, we will. We will indeed. Wow. Craziness. That's the 18th. August yeah, we... 18th. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So it'll be it'll be a short week for us this week. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, come back for some insanity. You never know what's going to happen. I think something crazy, though, because, yeah. That's Hillary's because. going to do something crazy, or Trump's going to say something crazy, or... And the news media will tell us about it. Yeah. And then we can look around them and see what they're not telling us. Slaves... This is what you are to believe. Yep. That's right. All right. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Have a Toodles. great week.